Blog Talk Radio. It's time to strap our boots on. This is the perfect day to die. Wipe the blood out of our eyes. In this life there's no surrender. And there's nothing left for us to do. Find the strength to see this through. title because it changes the link uh, for tonight's show. So 
Uh, maybe I'll just uh, tweak it a little bit, say, this is what we're having on next week. <laughs> so I certainly apologize for that. But we, uh, I believe, yeah, we will be having him on uh, the 21st, which I think I might have skipped the week because I was hoping to have a candidate running against uh, Mike DeWine on this evening. And I was kind of keeping tonight open for that. But we're having some scheduling difficulties, or, or rather the candidate is having scheduling difficulties. So we'll probably just talk about some current events on this episode, and we'll have our guest, uh, Mark Hankel, on uh, next week. And, again, I certainly apologize for that, folks. But that gives us uh, one more week to uh, to look forward to it. Uh, so let's go ahead and just – we got call uh, caller already, our good friend Joseph. So let's go ahead and get an update uh, from him. So first, let's go ahead. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Joseph, for coming to the show. Uh, glad to see you back. How you been? Are you still there, Joseph? Well, I do have uh, the mic open, so hopefully we'll hear from Joseph uh, soon, unless there's some type of... Oh, there we go. I hear something. I am so sorry about that, Robert. It is great to be back on the show. I'm sorry. I just had to step away just for a second. Um, It's been a month. It it feels like it's been an eternity. Uh, How are you doing, my good friend, Robert? Uh, doing all right, doing all right. Uh, I feel like you got a little egg on my, on my face uh, because I had it where our, I thought our guest was going to be on tonight, but I was looking at the calendar and our messages because uh, I've seen that he didn't come in yet. And we are actually scheduled for the 21st uh, to have uh, him on the program. So kind of a little faux pas, so I guess we'll just be talking about uh, some, you know, current events and maybe find some articles here on the uh, website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and maybe uh, talk about uh, some of that. Uh, Correct. Correct, and no worries. You know, this evening, but, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll no just have look to have them on next week. We'll be on next week. No worries. No worries at all. So I've been gone for a yeah, month, and uh, a lot has the, happened. Huh? Yeah, I just get to change the description of the show. <laughs> I don't know if I'll do I'll, it uh, so let me let you, let me let you do that uh, segue before I talk for all our viewers so they could uh, get a new description for the show. Uh, hit it, Robert. Oh, well, no, that, that, that'll take time. I won't, I, won't have, I won't be able to do that now live. Uh, that, that'll take time uh, to edit that. So, but we'll get I, there. I, I'll, 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 I have I'll, an idea. I'll, I'll I have an idea. How about one sentence? Biden's America collapsing. We'll start out with that. Yeah. How's that? Well, you know what? That might uh, that might very well be the title of tonight's show. We'll uh, add in <laughs> what that is. But uh, Biden's America collapsing. Well, certainly give us your take on uh, the current events, at least since the time you've been uh, uh, you know, working on things on your end. Sure, sure, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I've said many times on on this show, and history has, uh, global history has always proven whenever power is stolen, 
the outcome is not a good one. And whenever power is stolen and is handed into the wrong hands, it never bodes well for the majority of, of uh, historical uh, events uh, dating back from four or 5,000 years ago, um, prehistoric civilizations. And so I, I am now, um, I've acknowledged that this is the Biden regime and the Kamala regime on the show, but I also am also starting to tell people this is Biden's America. Welcome to Biden's America. And it is collapsing. And day by day, it is disintegrating. And it is getting worse and worse. And the fact that it is deteriorating so rapidly, more rapidly than anyone of us could have ever imagined, uh, it's very scary. Now, uh, you see that, uh, for example, the Texas Democrats, House Democrats, who, wait a minute, let me get this correct. So the Democrats in Washington are okay with eliminating the filibuster, but the Senate Democrats who want the filibuster are not eager to eliminate the filibuster. So guess what they decided to do so they could uh, avoid a bill from passing, uh, a voter election law from passing in, in Texas. They hop on a plane. They fly first class. Wow, how they really misuse the, the constituents' money, right? They don't wear masks. <laughs> yeah. They take all these pictures that they're celebrating, and once again, it's another slap in the face of the American people, people who've lost everything because of the destructive left's policies, and you have the nerve to go on a plane first class. Geez, I wonder how you afforded that. You're not wearing masks, and you're taking pictures with smiles. Geez, it doesn't seem like you're really in exile. Usually people who escape for being oppressed, as the House Democrats claimed they were being oppressed on the floor, usually they're not in a happy mood, are they, right? But they were all grins and smiles and reminded me of the original Batman that came out in 89 with Jack Nicholson, the Joker. And yes, yes, that's another example of a slap in our face. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Biden's America collapsing. Now, if people remember throughout the Obama regime, let's call it for what it is, because that's how, they, that's how they behaved while they were in office, as if they were regimes. Under the Obama regime, the Iranians had a moment where we thought there was going to be a modern-day Iranian revolution of the 21st century. They were very close to overthrowing the government in the Ayatollah. They begged the Biden uh, Obama administration, and they didn't help him. They didn't help him at all. They were deaf silent on it. Uh, they did help the, the, the mullahs, of course, and the Ayatollah by dropping over $150 billion of U.S. cash. And so now you have the Cubans in the streets. This is probably their best opportunity to overthrow a communist regime that has existed since 1959. You think Biden's America is going to intervene? You think anyone from the left is going to? No, they don't care because it doesn't fit into their narrative because they espouse socialism and communism. And you know what the Cuban exiles are saying in Miami? They can espouse something that they know nothing of because they've never been oppressed. They've never had to been sub subjugated to a communist or socialist regime. They have no clue about what they speak. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, that is truth. It is sheer ignorance. 
So AOC, Rashida Tlaib, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, put your money where your mouth is. Since you love socialism and communism so much, why not migrate to Venezuela? I hear the weather's nice this time of year. Why not migrate to Cuba? I hear the weather is pretty tropical this time of the year. Why not migrate to North Korea or to China? You might as well. I mean, Hunter has already been in bed with the Chinese and has benefited from all these illegal under-the-table deals. Why not go there and live there? Then you could be happy. Oh, because you are guys are spineless hypocrites, and you wouldn't last a day under a regime like that. And so it is a slap in the face to all these immigrants who have risked their lives for hundreds of years to escape true oppression. These are true victims. And it's a slap in their face when you have AOC and Bernie Sanders espousing socialism and communism while they, well, let me guess, while Bernie Sanders is a multimillionaire for someone who believes in their fair share, uh, Nancy Pelosi is a multimillionaire. Chuck Schumer is a multimillionaire. Huh, Obama got rich after he left office with his book deals. You notice the commonality there in the, hypocr- the, the hypocrisy? They're all multimillionaires. <laughs> right. Oh, so I guess when it comes to them, that doesn't apply to them. They're not the evil rich 1%. We're not paying their fair share. And then when it comes to guns, oh, it's okay to have your security detail. And it's okay for your security guards to have automatic assault weapons, but it's not okay for the average American citizen. No, I call that a bunch of baloney. One more thing, and I'll defer to you. Another big sign, what happened over the month time span, was there was an interview a week and a half ago with Hannity and Trump. And Hannity asked Trump, have you made your decision about 2024? He says he has, but he's not going to give that answer until after 2022, and that's smart because he doesn't want to make the focal point him. He wants to make it a mission that Republicans gain back the House and the Senate. He said that all from day one, but right after that, he said America needs a strong leader again, and I think he kind of had a slip of the tongue over there. I truly believe he's going to run, and another CPAC poll came out. And he cleaned the field with the 59% approval rating. Uh, if he were the nominee, would people, would Republicans and disaffected Democrats and libertarians and independents, would they vote for him? 59% came out for Trump. Do you know who was second, Robert? DeSantis? 15%, exactly. He came in at 15%. When Trump is going to these rallies, I mean, it's, 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 it's gargantuan. And people are actually waving the Trump flags in Cuba because they know right. that Trump's policies on Cuba, Trump had their back with Biden. They know they're screwed. So, ladies and gentlemen, I've given you a little recap of Biden's America collapsing. And I will defer back to you, Robert. Well, a, a new report that came out that – has me really concerned, and this this came out yesterday, um, and, and you can hear the read the full article here on blog, uh, BardsLogicPoliticalTalk.com at the uh, newsroom page. 
is U.S. Navy shambles as leaders prioritize wokeness over combat readiness. And, you know, I'm not going to – I'll go more to the article a little bit, but it says a scathing report commissioned by congressional members has found that the United States Navy is in disarray and focusing more on diversity than war fighting. The official findings, considered a nonpartisan exercise of congressional oversight, discovered that the Navy's surface warfare forces have systemic training and leadership issues, including an intense focus on diversity that eclipses basic readiness skills. The author of the review conducted long-form interviews with 77 active-duty retired or detached officers and enlisted personnel about insights into the culture of the United States Navy following a series of high-profile and damaging operational failures in the Navy surface warfare community. A staggering 94% of the subjects believe that the recent naval disasters were part of a broader internal problem, quote, I guarantee you I guarantee you every unit in the Navy is up to its speed on their diversity training. I'm sorry that I can't say the same of their ship handling training, said one retired senior enlisted leader. Other interviewed participants also voiced concerns that the Navy depends more time or spends more time on diversity training than on developing warfighting capacity and key operational skills, quote, sometimes I think we're more about whether we have enough diversity officers than if we'll survive a fight with the Chinese Navy, quoted one of the active duty lieutenants. It's criminal, and I think my only value is as a black woman. But you cut our ship open with a missile, it will all bleed the same color she had it. So that was a quote by a black woman, you know, and then the article, go, you know, goes on, and I'll, you know, but I mean, that, that's – and these times, that's scary. We have probably one of the weakest presidents in, in modern, if not all, of, of American history. I, I mean, I would dare say – and I'm not a historian, but I think I know enough that I think he very well may be the weakest president, you know, both physically and mentally and in capability – than this country has ever seen. And, and now we have a weakened Navy where we have the Chinese building up their military in the South China Sea, also you know, basically threatening Taiwan, which we are obligated to protect. I mean, this is dangerous stuff here. You know, so when I heard Robert, this report, you're, you're correct. That that's that that's bad. that's a bad shape. And you're correct, Robert. I actually went back and I studied the records of all 45 presidents, and I did this during the month that I uh, I had off. I had time on my hand for personal reasons, and by far, this is the worst deterioration of any administration that's not even got through its first year. And this is the worst that a country has been on a fiscal level and also from a foreign and domestic standpoint. So statistically, 
he is the worst ever in United States history, if people don't believe me. Uh, I did not Google this or go to Wikipedia. I used library databases for this. If you truly want to know, do the research. It's there. Or if not, the proof is in the pudding. Ask yourself, are you better off than you were four years ago? Well, and again, I think that, and I've said this many times, and I'm going to keep on saying it, and I know it's going to come true, is, well, unless they cheat. That's why I think voter integrity for these next four years is probably one of them. Domestically, I think domestically the most important, you know, issue is voter integrity. Because I think that the policies that they're putting out there, I mean, it's, it's almost a given that they're going to lose the House, the Senate, and the presidency in 2024. I can't believe that Americans would actually think that this is, you know, a domestic po- you know, a policy, not just domestic, but foreign. I'm going to get to that in a moment, that, they're, that their current policies are good, are good for America. And my God, I mean, if they can't keep our nation safe with our military and keep our allies like uh, Taiwan safe, you know, with our military, you know, that, that's a trouble. I mean, this is probably the weakest our nation has been maybe even since its founding. I mean, I really, I, you know, I, I think that very well could be the case. Correct, but one thing that I hope brings hope is that the state Supreme Court of Arizona upheld the election laws and prohibited any ballot harvesting. And so I think that's a very positive sign and a positive trend for election integrity for 2022 and beyond. Yeah, this is, this is you know, this is dangerous times uh, we, we live in, Joseph. And It's just, I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't want to say that I don't, th- I don't think America can last these four years. I mean, I, I think that'd be being an alarmist. I, I wouldn't necessarily say, say that. But I tell you what, I mean, it's going to be, we're going to be, I think we're going to be greatly weakened. And, uh, you know, and then as you said, you know, which be a good title is it, collapsing. Um, we're going to be collapsing under the weight of uncontrolled immigration, collapsing under the weight of, you know, uh, deficits and uh, inflation. We're going to, you know, collapse under the weight of, uh, you know, the the, the wealth the welfare system. Uh, from again back to the the illegal immigrants. It's not. Uh, I, I don't know. It's 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 not look good, looking good. I mean. Now, looking at the stock market, you wouldn't know. But I'm starting to think that the reason why the stock market, even in times like these, are doing well is because I, I think, fr- frankly, I think globalism probably helps the, uh, you know, helps the corporations, you know, the, the people who have, uh, you know, you're publicly traded, <laughs> frankly. Exactly. The White House must go back into the red column in 2024. Uh, I believe we're not over in 2024, but I do believe we would be beyond the point of no return after 2024. 
if it doesn't go back home. Oh, and yeah. something surprising, something really surprising came out today. George W. Bush actually had criticism to the Biden regime for the very first time about not agreeing with uh, the withdrawal and, and the process that he's uh, – you know, taking to withdraw all the troops from Afghanistan and their interpreters and uh, those who sacrificed their lives to uh, help American soldiers while they were there. And so that was a, a very shocking uh, statement coming from George W. Bush, who has been really silent about everything that's been going on under Biden's America collapsing. Um, so, yes, it has to go back in the red column. And no, you're not trying to uh, be uh, a doomsday scenario, but our, our, our government is, is not capable of sustaining uh, what's coming out of the Biden regime from a fiscal standpoint and from a domestic and from an international standpoint. It's not sustainable. And so that is why it's very important that not only do we take back the House and the Senate in 2022, we do repeat that in 2024, and we do ensure that the Dems do not have a second term. Uh, it, it's a must at this point because, as I said many times on this show, luxury is uh, time is not a luxury that we have. And the one thing you can never get back is is, is time, Robert. You can't get back. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to do. I mean, I think they could very well do it. You know a lot of damage in their time in there. Um, Our only hope is, my my hope is that the the American people more more and more open up their eyes to what's going on. Now, one one positive development is the Supreme Court did uphold uh, Arizona election security laws. Um, There's an article here. It says the court ruled that two election security laws in Arizona do not – violate the Voter Rights Act of 1965. And, you know, so at least there's some progress there. I'm still, you know, waiting to hear what the results of that audit is in Arizona. Um, I, you know, it's, that's been really quiet for a time. I really haven't heard anything, but you would think that, you know, something really – you know, really big could happen, uh, you know, uh, could happen, but it's been kind of quiet. I really haven't heard much. Now, I heard, um, uh, what, what's that county in Georgia that they're, I'm, I'm getting a lot, hearing a lot about? Um, Fulton County. They're also doing another yeah, Fulton audit Fulton County, as well. right. Yes, they're claiming that over $140,000, uh, 140,000 votes on election day were stored in a warehouse with a bolted metal door and they were never accounted or uh, they were never accounted for. Um, and also the tally vote sheets that were requested during the audit, um, they fudged the numbers on that. So they're also raising red flags in Georgia. And this is being done by an independent organization. I think they're called Georgia. Let me look it up. I know I just heard it today, but it's an independent organization that's conducting this audit. And they have irrefutable proof that over 140,000 votes were tampered with. Um, and 35, and they also have proven that a month before Election Day in Georgia, 35,000 voters, registered voters, moved out of their county, but yet they were allowed to vote in the yeah. county they moved out of. Remember, right. the race was only decided by 13,000 votes. 
between Biden and Trump. They, th- those were illegal votes that were counted. 35,000 votes, you're not supposed to vote in a previous county that you no longer reside in. Now imagine if those 35,000 votes were thrown out, Trump would have indisputably carried the state of Georgia by a large margin. And that's really scary. So this is not only going on in Arizona. This is also going on in Fulton County, Fulton County Georgia. Uh, and it is by a, 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 a private organization uh, that is uh, conducting this uh, audit that has subpoenaed the uh, uh, Supreme Court at the state level to allow them to conduct this audit. And so, yeah, it's not only happening just in um, – Arizona. It's it's also happening in uh, uh, Georgia, and so for all those people out there who say we're all conspiracy theorists, uh, there were no tangible evidence that the election was stolen. Uh, you want to rephrase that? Well, and the Supreme Court could have stopped this stuff earlier. Um, you know, by allowing these these court cases to be heard uh, in the first place. But now we're going to have to go through all this this hoopla where even if it is going to be, even if it is proven that the election was rigged and that Biden should be in the white house at this point, there's really no, uh, there's really no way to unseat him. Correct. But vindication, 81 million voters who were disenfranchised. The only way to do that is to save our country and believe me, Robert, I'm crossing my fingers. I really think Trump is going to run. I really think he realizes how important it is. And I can't think of anyone else who has the experience and the proven qualifications who can get us out of this mess. Because you're right. Biden's America is going to continue collapsing. And then that trend is going to continue disintegrating. Things are only going to get worse. And really quickly until the White House goes back in the red column. The only person I know that is proven, that is proven with his record as president that he is capable of doing what no other Republican president has ever done, which is draining the swamp and uh, getting the economy at record, record level highs, where our enemies were never emboldened. Russia was in check. China was in check. North Korea was in check. They wouldn't dare. Only man I know that can do that is the rightful president, our rightful president, Donald J. Trump. And believe me, I think you, me, and millions of Americans are praying for that miracle, for that hope that Trump will pull Grover Cleveland and run in 2024. Because Donald J. Trump, if you're hearing me right now, you're probably not, but if you are, we need you. Our country needs you. I know it ain't going to be easy to put, throw your family in the mud again, but I know you love our country so much that you would make that sacrifice again. We need our rightful president for one more term. That is how we get control back of our country. That is how we do it. Now, there was a tweet yesterday by Wendy Rogers. Okay, She is uh, Senator Arizona. Who... Um, says, Arizona State Senator Rogers' audit numbers don't match 2020 election results. But Senator Wendy Rogers of Republican Arizona suggests that, suggested the audit in 2020 elections was set to reveal massive fraud by Democrats 
in a tweet on Tuesday. Rogers said the numbers from the Arizona audit did not match the purported outcomes of 2020 elections. The senator added it was still unclear by how many votes or whether the audit would change election outcomes. This comes after Senate President Karen Fran, Republican of Arizona, said the numbers didn't match in Maricopa County as suspected previously. Quote, we're all uh, doing, I'm sorry, all we're doing is just counting the number of ballots. It's a paper counting machine is all it does, she explained. They haven't released the number yet, if you will. However, we do not know if, um, well, what we do know is that those do not match the Maricopa County at this point. Arizona Otter said forensic review was drawing to an end, and their final report was expected to be released, okay, in a few weeks. More information is expected to be released from Arizona State Senate on Thursday. So as of this uh, article, that, you know, of course, you know, that's tomorrow. So good. Yeah, sounds like some progress. I mean, I, I mean, if they do come back with numbers, that are going to be enough to turn the election in Arizona. I, I mean, I, I just, I just, it's unfathomable on, on what the reaction to both sides are going to be. I mean, I hope it does. Uh, of course, if it doesn't, it, it, you know, it, 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 I, I'd rather see, of course, where it says, you know, it's not, and, or that's enough to overturn the vote. And, and I think it is, because then they're like, oh, you wasted all this time, you wasted all this money, you know, we told you so, blah, 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 and it's, it's, it's definitely going to bolster them. Um, so I guess we still got to wait a couple weeks for that. I, I agree, but even if it's not enough to overturn the results, it, it, it gives any Republican running for the White House a lot of fodder. It gives them a lot of leverage. It gives them more of an argument to make to the American people uh, that the election was rigged and it was stolen. If anything, it definitely gives them more fodder for paving the way in 2024. Um, I, I honestly don't think after every, every legal battle so far that they're going to start overturning states for Trump, but it will definitely give – the person running in 2024 who I believe is going to be Donald J. Trump, it gives them a lot of fodder. And if that helps in a landslide defeat in 2024, then at least it serves some sort of purpose. I think it's fair to say on election day, Robert, after election day, I remember I was on your show and we came to the conclusion months later that despite all the legal battles, the, the cards were stacked against the, the, our rightful president, and it just was never going to turn into fruition. It was not going to overturn the election. Um, I, and I think you and I came to that consensus and many people on this show that it's just it's not going to happen. We wish it would be, uh, but it's just not. And that's where 2024 is going to be very, very, very pivotal. It is going to be monumental who takes over the White House who takes over the White House, will determine the fate of our republic. Man, it's, it's, it's an amazing how much they do, uh, how much the, the Democrats use projection to, to, to move things away from themselves, you know, with, with all these voting laws. Um, you know, and then while, while they're trying to pass 
you know, voting integrity. It's like, well, why do you want it to be so easy uh, to cheat? Yeah, they make a, you know, and then of course they're saying that they're calling it the big lie, right? You know, the the you know the, there was voter fraud uh, in the election 2020 was yeah you know, the big lie, and you know, and and here's uh, you know, like a quote from Biden says, in America, if you lose, you accept the results, you follow the Constitution, you try again, you don't call facts uh, facts fake and try to bring down the America experiment just because you're unhappy. That's not statesmanship. That's selfishness. And it's like, you know, one, as you stated earlier in the show, it's you, the Democrats, that are trying to uh, bring down the United States. I mean, certainly, I, I mean, everything that you've done so far while in office has shown that you're trying to bring down, <laughs> you're trying to bring down the United States. Yeah, and you're, you know, and I find it, I find it the utmost hypocrisy where you had Hillary Clinton, you know, for years, and then Stacey Abrams as well kept saying how the election was rigged and oh how the, you know, for Stacey Abrams, and then how Hillary Clinton was saying, you know, oh well, it had to be Russia, it had to be Russia is the reason why, you know, it's it's, it's again they're they're such hypocrites and they do they they do projection. To try to move uh, the attention away from them and put what they're actually do it, doing it on the Republicans. Correct, and we're talking about Stacey Abrams, who has still never conceded losing the gubernatorial race in uh, Georgia in 2018. And it's interesting, uh, a, a report that was substantiated that came out two weeks ago stated that when Stacey Abrams first ran for governor in 2018, uh, she had a deficit. She owed money. She owed about $50,000 in loans, and she was a couple of hundred thousand dollars in campaign debt. After 2018, up until today, she's now a multimillionaire, and it's a pattern. If you think about it, the same thing happened with the Clintons when they left office, right? They left richer than when they came in. Uh, if you think about it, back when um, Edwards Carey, was senator, remember John Edwards from the great state of North Carolina? Well, he's a multi-million dollar, he's a multi-millionaire in the Senate. John Kerry is a multi-millionaire in the Senate. Uh, Chuck Schumer's a multi-millionaire in the Senate. If you look at the majority of the elites on both sides of the party, not, not just the Republicans, but also the Democrats, they're multi-millionaires. So I find it hypocritical that they have the nerve to demonize the 1%. And people are not paying their fair share. But here is the hypocrisy. If you're a lefty like George Soros or if you're a lefty like um, uh, Bill Gates, you get a pass. You're a good guy. You're not the filthy 1% of white supremacists that are not paying your one share. You're a great American patriot. You pay your fair share. But here's the challenge that I would throw to um, – um, Bill Gates or Warren Buffett. Okay, so they have maintained for decades that the, the rich should pay their fair share. You know that they could actually volunteer to pay more in their taxes if they wanted to? <laughs> right. Do you know that you know they've what? never done so? They've never of done so. Of course not. Right. 
because they don't put their money where their mouth is. They're hypocrites. And that's what really ticks me off. So, you know, Robert, if I ever hit lotto, I think I'm just going to become a lefty because my life will be so much <laughs> easier because I'll just be praised as a hero and a, and, 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 and a patriarch of the movement. No, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be special. I'll, I'll be one of their biggest donors and supporters. God, if I become a billionaire, I think I'll, 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 I'll start golfing with George Soros because we get the pass. Hey, hey, advice for everyone. Become a Democrat, and you could get away with almost everything except for murder. Oh, and by the way, if you live in New York, even if you did commit murder, because of de Blasio's no bail law, you'd be let out the next day anyway. So I'm just saying maybe we should become a Democrat. Maybe, maybe that's the solution to all our problems because as a Democrat, we could commit highway robbery and get away with it and be champion as heroes. What do you think? No, it's okay. I'm being sarcastic. I haven't lost my mind to all the listeners out there. I promise you. I was just being sarcastic. So I was looking at this, um, trying to look over this, uh, this, this video, and it says, uh, invisible fights to pass voter fraud law before 2022 uh, midterm, uh, next few weeks are crucial. And uh, it says the Senate needs to pass the For the People Act by the end of the month so we have time for its provisions to go in effect before the 22 elections. The subversive organization, Invisible, is pushing their followers to pressure the government to abolish the filibuster by the end of the month in order to push through their voter fraud legislation, H.R. 1, the For the People. That's ridiculous. We know it's for the politicians. It should be for the Democrat Act, before the 2022 midterms. The legislation seeks to dismantle voter integrity measures that will help prevent fraud. The, the Democrats do not think they can keep the majority unless H.R. 1 passes. If the Democrats cannot push their voter fraud legislation through in time for the midterms, as House Majority Whip Clyburn openly lamented, the Democrats can kiss the majority goodbye. The headline is a response to Clyburn's statement at PJ Media was appropriate. James Clyburn says the quiet part out loud while insisting H.R. 1 must pass. Uh, and, you know, so uh, here's a, a video – it's a video, but I'm going to, of course, play the audio. This is what these, I guess, it's the people invisible are are passing around. Uh, so let me get this keyed up for you, um, so that people can can hear it. And this is what they're they're trying to they're trying to plan here. So let me get this keyed up for you. Our democracy has never been perfect. In fact, it's been rigged from the beginning. From the Constitutional Convention in 1787, where our entire system of government was created by rich white men, for rich white men, to the Jim Crow era in the 19th and 20th centuries, when black voters were systematically disenfranchised across the country, things got a little better with the Voting Rights Act of 1965. But fast forward to 2013, when the Supreme Court gutted the Voting Rights Act, and states wasted no time passing new, racist, and voter suppression laws to further entrench the power of a wealthy, white, conservative minority. Then came Donald Trump, and with him, 
the continued erosion of our democratic norms and institutions. And while we defeated Trump at the ballot box in Clinton, the forces that allowed him to rise have only gotten stronger. And his Republican Party is working harder than ever to undermine our elections in 2022, 2024, and beyond. In other words, it's all broken, and it's all very, very dangerous. But we can fix it. In fact, we're in a better position to remake our democracy than we've ever been, to enact the kind of structural reform that will truly put power in the hands of the people. With Democrats in control of the White House in both chambers of Congress, we can finally pass the bold, transformative reforms that our democracy needs to survive. We can pass the For the People Act, a comprehensive, structural democracy reform bill that targets voter suppression, money in politics, gerrymandering, and more. We can pass the John Lewis Voting Rights Act to increase voter access and strengthen voter protection. We can make D.C. the 51st state to rebalance the Senate and finally give a voice to D.C.'s 700,000 residents. D.C. statehood is a democracy issue and a racial justice issue, since D.C. would be the only state in the nation with the plurality of black residents. And to do all of this, we need to abolish the filibuster, the Jim Crow relic that Mitch McConnell plans to use to block all of these reforms and just about anything else that we try to do. All of this would give control of our democracy back to its rightful owners, the people. And that's what the For the People Project is all about, a grassroots nationwide campaign to save our democracy and create a government that is truly by the people, for the people. Because none of this will happen on its own, it will take a movement, a movement of millions of people from coast to coast standing up for our democracy and pressuring their members of Congress to do the same. We can do this. A more representative democracy is within our reach, but it's up to us to join together and demand it. Join us. Visit forthepeopleproject.indivisible.org to learn more. Okay, now let's call it invisible. It's indivisible. And, you know, again, I mean, you see all the uh, the key words that they kept putting in there. Oh, it's racist. Oh, it's, you know, rich white men for rich white men. You know, it's, it's more of the reverse racism. That's what it is. It's reverse racism. And, you know, on that video, and that's, that's what they're trying, you know, that's what they're trying to do. And it's like, oh, but now that the Democrats are in here, you know, you try to sound like it's for the people. When your very video shows that it, no, it's not a for the people act, it's for the Democrats act. It's to keep them in power. That's all the the for the the, the so-called for the people act is, is is all about. It's about keeping them. It's about keeping Democrats in power. Oh yeah, that actual audio made me want to barf. To be honest, it's so hypocritical. Um. It really is hypocritical in every way, shape, or form. Uh, they don't stand for democracy. Uh, they don't stand for uh, American patriotism. They don't stand for nationalism. That's just another video, another example of typical propaganda from the left trying to make you believe that Donald Trump and the Republican Party is our country's enemies. 
and once again, it's the obsession with Trump. They can't stop invoking his name. They're so obsessed with him, the left. It just uh, it, 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 it's scary, and it's it's kind of really um, it, it's more like a stalker mentality when you think about it. I mean, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Trump has not been in office for over six months. Get over it. Joe Biden, pull up your pants, take your little sippy cup, let Kamala put you to bed at 7 o'clock at night, which is around the, the time that you go to bed uh, in, in the White House. And, but pull your pants up and, and hold yourself accountable. Donald Trump is not in office. Everything that has happened under your watch is your fault. Own it. Oh, wait a minute. Biden would never do that, right? Well, elections have consequences. And let me tell you something. Whether it's Kamala in 2024 or whatever puppet they want to put up there, their time is almost up come 2024. Because we are taking back our country. Yeah, and then you know, like one you know, back to the video, like one of the things that she was talking about as well, the, the states wasted. It's like you do realize that the Constitution put voting in charge of the state. Like on the video, uh, and it actually has on here. Oh, look, vote, photo ID, which you know I, I certainly don't want to you know, be a dead horse, but you need a you need an ID for for everything. <laughs> You needed an ID to drive. You need an ID to go to a bank. Uh, you need an ID to be served alcohol and liquor. Uh, you need an ID pretty much for almost every important thing. You need an ID to get on the plane. So why would you not need an ID for one of the most sacred rights that we have as a constitutional republic, and that is to vote? And it's kind of hypocritical that the same voting laws that are on the book which Barack Obama didn't complain when he won election twice. Exactly. All of a sudden is, oh, these laws are not just, these laws are not right. And you know why they're saying that and why they're panicking? Because they know that they are going to take a shellacking, unlike they've never experienced in their lifetime, when they lose massively in the House. And I know the Republicans will gain the majority in the Senate, but that is... A little bit up in the air if it will be by a large deficit or not, but definitely the House is definitely up for grabs. I do predict uh, Republicans will win by a large margin. They'll have probably one of the biggest majorities that they've ever had. Uh, if you look at it, the Democrats only have a seven-seat uh, majority uh, as it stands. Well, and that's why they, that's why they feel like they want to remake our democracy. That's what it is, and, and you made a great point. You made a great point. Is yeah, when Obama won twice, you know, when, when what where's the systemic racist, racism in that? And the system seemed to be fine when you know, when Obama, Obama when Obama won uh twice, as you said. And, and so what they want to do is they want to remake our democracy to make sure that only Democrat that's what yeah, only Democrats want uh you know, Democrats win. And how are they gonna remake our our democracy, they're going to remake our democracy by making it easier to cheat. And how? Not allowing people to have uh, 
you know, IDs, you know, trying to make it that that anyone can register the vote and vote on the on the same day. So that's how they want to remake it. So when they say, you know, that video, oh, we, you know, we we defeated them at the ballot box. We know that's not the case. We know that they didn't defeat anybody. They cheated. You know, I've seen, I, well, I've seen the video, but, and I, you know, I, I hopefully sooner rather than later, I think the truth's going to come out. Unfortunately, I think it might be later than sooner, but I think eventually it's going to. But yeah, that's how they want to, re, you know, remake our democracy. They want to remake it so that the Democrats stay in power for perpetuity. And, you know, go ahead, uh, Joseph. No, exactly. Uh, everything you said is uh, valid and, and on point. Uh, that's what they hope to achieve, uh, but they're not going to achieve it, not, not this time around. Uh, there's no more rigging. Uh, the American people have the magnifying glass uh, on, on the Dems. They're going to be watching very closely, and uh, we've got to make sure that this can never happen again. We have to learn from our mistakes and uh, better ourselves in doing so. And election integrity is going to be a big issue in 2022, 2024, and beyond. But if anyone should be lecturing us on election integrity, uh, it definitely shouldn't be the left. It definitely shouldn't be the party that colluded in uh, rigging the election, uh, which will go down in history as the largest presidential rig ever in the history of our constitutional republic. And so 2022 is right around the corner. 2024, you know what happens after 2022, right? People start talking about 2024. And mm-hmm. uh, we need to do everything to get this country back uh, in control, back on the right path. Uh, future generations, current generations, previous generations, um, everyone is, uh, is counting on us. This is our moment to rise to the occasion. This is our moment to fight for our constitutional republic to preserve it. And this is what, what we must do if we are to protect and to ensure that this constitutional republic long lives after our time. Whenever God decides that, um, we, need to, we need to fight or we won't survive. And if we don't survive, neither will our loved ones, neither will future generations. We won't have a constitutional republic to ensure that 2022 and 2024 are red tsunamis. We must. We must. We have no choice. Well, and then also there, uh, I mean, one, people are saying, oh, they can't wait to see the debate. You know, well, let me ask you this. If you think if Trump gets back into the ring, because you mentioned that, I want to bring this up for bringing up another point of that video, but uh, do you think if Trump does run again, do you think that there will be other Republicans who would actually try to run against him, like in a primary? Maybe two or three, um, and they would be very stupid in doing so, and they would be crushed really quickly. Uh, it'd be a walk in the park. Most Republicans who are allies of Trump, like DeSantis, uh, like uh, Governor Nome, um, they've went. they've gone – even Mitch McConnell – uh, even Mitt Romney stated if Donald Trump was the nominee, they would vote for him. Uh, they would support him. And many Republicans like Noam and DeSantis says, even Josh Hawley, uh, even Matt Gates, 
They said if Trump were to run, there would be no way in hell we would even enter the race. We would, we would stand stand by and give him the path uh, because they know well, yeah, that, uh, if, if, if yeah, you were to run against Trump, it's <laughs> that's insanity. True. Yeah, that's, yeah. The, it's the, insanity. Only per, the only person who I think would have a chance to run against Trump as a Republican in a primary would be DeSantis, and I, and I, I still think he'd lose, and I think he probably still would lose handily. Um, maybe he wouldn't lose as bad as all the others, uh, but he'd still lose but pretty handily. Stated. And plus, now I don't. He wouldn't even entertain that because let's be frank. No. I mean, if Trump gets in, and with the population uh, popularity of DeSantis right now, and I think it's that's only going to be that's only going to increase. Um, of course, we are talking about three years from now, but but if his popularity and and people's memory remember remember how he was with Florida. Uh, during COVID, I mean, I think he's got a good shot of being uh, Trump's running mate, frankly. Correct. And he's been on the record in saying there would be no way he would run if Trump announced. And so uh, it would kind of be like a Gore-Bush scenario. If you remember when Al Gore entered the race in 99, only like two Dems stepped up to the plate. The rest says you'd have to be committing career suicide to run against uh, Al Gore, who was uh, on the Clinton ticket for eight years. Um, and the same thing with George W. Bush. Many people forget John McCain ran for president back in 2000. I think only two or three other people entered the race, and George W. Bush yeah. cleared out the field pretty quickly. So it kind of would be the same scenario. Maybe you have two or three stupid elites that would think they would dare be able to enter the political arena with Trump, but Trump would demolish them pretty quickly. Most of the um, Trump allies like DeSantis and Nome and, and Senator Hawley and uh, Matt Gates um, and uh, Senator Cotton, they've all stated if Trump runs, we clear the way for him. There's no way we even interfere. And you're right. I mean, it's three years. It may be a little bit too early, but I'm thinking – DeSantis would make a great VP because I always I never liked Pence as a VP because I always found that he was too stoic. He was too stoic. Uh, he doesn't really have a personality. Um, DeSantis has charisma. He has personality. He could bring a lot of those important elements, including a, 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 a very successful record as a uh, conservative governor of the great state of Florida, I think he'd be a great fit. Another fit, though, would be uh, Governor Nome, which a lot of people are yeah. not talking about as much as DeSantis. I mean, she was the only state. She would be, too, yeah. Right. South Dakota was the only state to never lock down after Trump lifted the national lockdown ban. South Dakota was the only state to never lock down in any way, shape, or form. That's pretty amazing. The only one. Even DeSantis in the beginning had lockdown measures. So I think she'd also be a phenomenal pick uh, for VP. Not because she's a conservative female, but because she has a very impressive record. And what she did was very courageous. It wasn't easy to do that. She, She got a lot of backlash. Exactly. She got a lot of backlash. But she stuck to her guns. And if you're looking for a VP, you want a VP who you know you can count on that's going to stick to their guns. Unlike Pence, who stabbed Trump in the back in his moment of need, who in the end proved that he didn't stick to his guns. You want a VP? Oh, I know. Well, remember, I've been, I've been, 
I mean, if you remember, I, I, no, I didn't like Pence. Yeah, I didn't like Pence to begin with for the, um, you know, when he was picked. I was actually pretty angry because, one, I remember when, uh, I remember when it was in July. I remember I was on my way to actually, uh, on my way from D.C. to Florida. And I was on my way from D.C. to Florida to my brother's. And I just got done uh, having lunch with uh, uh, with Virgil Good, and you know coming back from Virginia, uh, you know yes, we went to D.C., Virginia, and then to Florida, and this was in July when he when he picked his VP, and you know it, it came down to the to, to Newt Gingrich and and Pence. Now Gingrich is you know, and I got to look up something else later. I been wanting to do for a long time, but. Um, there's been some things Gingrich's been saying some a little while ago. I wasn't really agreeing with, um, but again, I haven't had a chance to do much with that because with my work schedule. But but anyway, point here is that it was between Gingrich and, and Pence, and I mean I remember going to a a rally with now that's the one promise that Trump never fulfilled. As I was at the rally where he said that Gingrich would be somewhere inside his administration he said gingrich would play some part within his administration and gingrich didn't he didn't do any he didn't play anything i thought if he wasn't going to be the vp i thought maybe he would be his um chief of staff which i think that that would have been a, a chief that would have been better than uh rince pubis i mean rince Priebus. and uh you know but anyway so here's how i think it went down if you recall there's the the fight between okay who's Trump going to pick Gingrich or uh, you know Gingrich or Pence. Well, remember Paul Ryan was the uh, Speaker of the House then, and Pence was Paul Ryan's boy. Well, at that time there was talk about a brokered or contested convention, you know, to go up against go up against Trump. Well, I think that behind closed doors, because there was actually more support for. Uh, Trump to pick Gingrich than Pence, and so because I mean remember Gingrich is one of the very first supporters of of, of of Trump, and so what I think is think is you know Paul Ryan said look you you know you pick Pence to be your running mate and then I'll call off the dogs for this talk about uh, a brokered you know contested convention because shortly after he picked Pence all talk about, you know, that happening at the convention, stop. You know, so I never really liked Pence. Now, you know, I liked Pence a little more when he became the head of the, you know, the Space Council and, and things of that nature. But I really, I, I was never really a fan of Pence either. But I don't think that's why Trump picked him, because if we all remember, Ted Cruz came so close in the primary to actually bringing it to a uh, contested convention regardless. Uh, I think the reason why he proved, uh, why he chose Pence was for the wrong reasons is because a lot of conservatives were throwing it out there that Trump was not a conservative to begin with. And I think he used Pence's image, who's a solid conservative and was a very successful governor in Indiana, to give him that extra validity in conservatives' eyes. And I think that's why strategically he made that move. However, it proved to be in the end that he made the wrong move. In Trump's moment of need, Pence was not there for him. And, and, and here's the argument uh, I, I have about Pence, okay? 
when I talk about Pence, people say, well, what did you expect him to do, defy the Constitution? I mean, you know, there was nothing he could do to stop the certification. And they're right. But here's where they're wrong, and here's where Pence could have showed his loyalty. Pence could have said, because I know that the integrity of this election was compromised, I am recusing myself, which he has the constitutional right to do so, and I refuse, I refuse to participate in this certification of the election. And if you look back at Gerald Ford and Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford made one move that ended his career, ensured he would never hold office again. But in his memoirs, he writes, had I not done what I thought was right, I would have never had a conscience to sleep at night. And I got to give him credit. He has a lot of guts for doing that. Pardon Richard Nixon. And that ended Gerald Ford's career. That's how loyal he was to Richard Nixon. He pardoned him, knowing that that would be his, his end of all. And, I, and, 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 and so for the argument is Pence should have shown his loyalty, especially if you know that, hello, the election was not just rigged from Trump. It was rigged from you, Pence. You were robbed, Pence. You were robbed blind. Right. You would think that you would have the balls to stand together next to Trump and say, no, I'm not going to take this. Why? Because everyone says I should accept it? No, we were rigged. We were stolen. It happened to him too. And I think that's what Trump really wanted to see was, is he loyal? Is he loyal to the end? Is he a Gerald Ford? Is he a Gerald Ford? And so when people make the argument, or well, constitutionally, he couldn't have stopped the certification, but he could have made a stand out of loyalty for country to show loyalty to the 81 million voters who had their votes robbed from them by saying, I recuse myself, which is within the rights constitutionally, and I refuse to partake in certifying this election. Why would I certify an election that was stolen? And that's where, Pence, you went wrong. You didn't have the cojones in the end to do that, and shame on you for that. And uh, that's why I hope that when if Trump does run, I think this time around Trump will do a much better job uh, in his decision-making of studying his VP and choosing who his VP is going to be and ensuring that whoever he chooses, that that VP is going to stay loyal to the Constitution and to the country. Uh, um, you know, hell high water, as the saying goes. Hell or high water. So, um I, I definitely do think if he runs, he'll make a much better informative decision on the VP. And you're right. I think Newt Gingrich would have at least done what would have been right for the country. I believe if, if the shoe were on Newt Gingrich's foot and he would have been VP, I think Newt Gingrich definitely would have been the type to actually recuse himself from partaking in certifying the election. Um, but unfortunately... Uh, I, I, I think um, previous administrations that have passed up Newt Gingrich uh, and not even allow him to be a part of the cabinet like George W. Bush, I think those were big mistakes because the argument against Newt Gingrich has always been that, well, we want a fresh face. Yeah, you know, right. we give him credit. You know, he took back the House for the first time in 40 years, but that's as far as it goes. And the argument is because, you know, 
we want fresh blood. But if I have to decide over fresh blood versus who's more qualified for the position, sorry, folks, I'm going to choose who's more qualified for the position. Fresh blood doesn't exactly. do a lick of good. You don't have the qualifications. And I'm sorry, I think it was a big mistake on George W. Bush and uh, on Donald Trump to not include Newt Gingrich as a cabinet member. I think both administrations would have exponentially benefited from Newt Gingrich's uh, vast experience. After all, you've got to give him credit where credit is due. He is the architect, along with Rush Limbaugh. Uh, had it not been both of them at the helm, the House would have not fallen back into Republican hands. And may I remind you, this was the first time it went back to Republicans in over 40 years. That is quite an amazing feat, and uh, to this very day, Newt Gingrich is, is always discarded as just a face from the past and nothing more, and that's very disappointing because they're not giving him the credit and acknowledgement. He has so much earned, um, and he so much deserves. Yeah, and so – and that, yeah, and that, and, that bring, and that brings us to here. And that's why there have been people who are like, oh, do you think uh, Pence has any hope of uh, being being president now? I mean, he, he, he couldn't. I don't think Pence could be re- uh, reelected as uh, governor of Indiana, uh, personally. No, actually, he went to a Christian conservative conference about three weeks ago, and he was actually booed off the stage. I think the American yeah. people have spoken. He's done. Yeah. He's done. Uh, he was actually booed off the stage. So, you know, actions have consequences at the end of the day. And like I said, many people don't have the cojones like Gerald Ford did to say, you know what, I'm going to do what I feel is right, and if that means that's the end of my career, so be it. And he pardoned Nixon. He stayed loyal to him through through the end, through the very end. May I remind you, had he not pardoned Nixon, uh, you know the Dems would have put him through a, a witch hunt and a witch. Uh, they would have burnt him at the stakes, and they would have made sure they would have charged him with something um, just to destroy his legacy. They would have. So, um, you know, uh, Gerald Ford in many ways uh, saved Nixon. Um, I'll defer back to you. Yeah, back to I want to bring more about that that video because I mean it's it's telling. Of course, we haven't heard the Democrats talking much about it um, anymore. But you know, I think they certainly haven't g- given up on it. Is making D.C. the 51st state. Um, they haven't really talked about doing that with um, Puerto Rico any longer either. That you know, because I know it's going to take more than what the, the power that they have. Uh, but I mean, but again, that's. Uh, but again, that, that, that's also, you know, a power grab. And if they were able to make D.C. a state, then, I mean, you, I mean, I, you could kiss a lot of stuff. If you could kiss the Senate goodbye, because, I mean, that just gives them, I mean, that almost automatically gives them two, uh, two Democrat senators. Now, one thing, um, that would, go ahead. That would be a catastrophe. But at the end of the day, with the way that Biden's America is disintegrating, let's say they got two more Senate seats. At the yeah, rate that this is that accelerating, real quick, real quick. and, and real, real, real quick, uh, Joseph, sorry for interrupting, but I just want to bring this up, is that, and also remember in that video it said rebalancing the Senate. It's like, what do you mean by rebalancing the Senate? 
the Senate right now is 50-50. You can't get any, you know, with and then with the, you know, Herbie, uh, Kamala Harris being the uh, any v- tied votes, you know. So how can you call anything other than a 50-50, you know, Senate balance? Oh well, by by giving a the you know, Washington, I'm sorry, by giving uh, well, Washington D.C. statehood, and that's going to give two Democrats. And, and how do they know that it's going to – see, that's the thing. See, that in and of itself shows that they know what their aim is. So, you know, she says, yeah, make, make it the 51st state rebalancing or balancing the Senate. So they – so it, them just by saying that is telling you, yeah, we know that by having, you know, the 51st uh, – you know, Washington, D.C. be the 51st state. You're adding two Democrat senators. We know that, you know. So, you know, it's, it's right there. They're even practically admitting that's what they're doing. Rebalance? Not rebalancing the Senate. That's tipping the balance. Go ahead, Jason. Sorry for the interruption. I just want to point that no, out. No, where not at all. Rebalancing not at all. the Senate. Right. Correct. Not at all. But I predict. Even if they did that, there would be such a backlash and such a scare in the American people that they would definitely vote overwhelmingly. This is where I predict that they would easily vote 56 seats out of the Senate to go to the Republicans to, um, you know, add that extra balance. Um, I, I think it would just create so much outrage and backlash, and actually a lot of it would scare a lot of the American people who want to preserve this country as the land of the free and the home of the brave. I think it may even motivate record turnout uh, for the Senate and them saying we must vote for as many seats as possible. Uh, with these extra two seats in D.C., we, we have to get at least 56 seats in the Senate. It, it's a must. There's no ands, ifs, or, or, or about it. Um, so even if that scenario were to play out, yeah, it would be very detrimental, but would it be the end of Republicans gaining control of the Senate? No, I don't think it would be at the rate that everything is disintegrating and falling apart in Biden's America. It would just create more of a backlash, more of a sense of urgency for voters to come out in record numbers, promote other candidates that can knock off uh, Democratic incumbents who are up for re-election in 2022 in the Senate in 2024. It would just it would just give people more adrenaline. It would light a fire under people's feet to say it's just not enough just to win back the Senate. We have to win it back by a definitive margin. And I think that it would create that scenario for sure. Well, yeah, and then, of course, you know, and and they also make it play that it's a racist thing because they're like, oh, well, if we give Washington, D.C. a, you know, a statehood, then that's the only place, that's the only state that would have the plurality of blacks. You're, you know, and so, you know, they would be the first state to have that. So it's a racial justice thing to give state give statehood to Washington, D.C. Never mind the Constitution, you know, but it's a, it's, a, it's a racial justice thing. So, I mean, so what are you going to do? Start making, you know, finding, finding other cities in the United States and saying, yeah, well, since there's a plurality of blacks in this city, maybe we should make this city a state. Oh, maybe we should make that city a state. It's ridiculous. And then she talks about abolishing, you know, the filibuster. And for one, I think it's stupidity and hypocrisy. It's like all in one because the reason it's stupid and hypocritical at the same time 
is I don't think this girl who made this video realized that the Democrats used the filibuster over 300 times during the Trump administration. 300 times during the, during the Trump administration. Over 300 times. Like, you do realize you guys used it. So the hypocrisy there, and it's like, look, what, what do you think is going to happen if power don't go your way? Oh, you want to bring the filibuster back? Because now it's going to benefit you? And does that lady not forget who voted or who did not want to enact the Voting Rights Act of 1965? LBJ. That's right. He actually fought to not include the Voting Rights Act initially. uh, And Martin Luther King and him had a lot of fallouts with that. Finally got it passed, but in the beginning, he did not include that with the major legislation of the Civil Rights Act. So uh, before you're going to sit there and lecture us Americans about uh, uh, voter integrity, uh, look at your own party's dirty history. And remember that if LBJ would have had his way and if he had not succumbed to Republican and pressure under the Martin Luther King movement, he would have had it his way. The Voting Rights Act of 1965 would have never been enacted. Oh, yeah, Dems, I forgot you forget your uh, dirty history. Do you also forget that you were the party of segregation? Yeah. Right. Do you also forget that you were the party in the South that were stringing up African Americans and lynching them and, and feathering them? And uh, you represented the the Klansmen. Oh, but we're white supremacists for Trump supporters, right? And one more thing, Dems. Uh, do you remember who the Confederacy comprised of before they became the Confederacy? Yeah, you were Democrats. God, are they that ignorant that they have forgotten their dark-tainted, if they want to talk about systemic racism. History, my lord, your history is bad. It's dirty. It's tainted. You fought for the Confederacy. You fought against the abolition of slavery. You fought to secede for the Union and keep slavery. You fought for Jim Crow. You fought to deny African Americans the right to vote. You strung up hundreds of thousands of African Americans throughout the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s in the South, you nicknamed yourself the Dixiecrats. Are you kidding me? And you dare lecture us, conservatives, as being racist and white supremacists, and you have the nerve to label this country as being systemically racist? Study your history, folks, before you open your yap, because ignorance is bliss, and your party's history is a dirty one, it's a tainted one, and it's a very systemically racist one. So wake up and smell the coffee, folks. Well, and also, yeah, and, and they, they keep saying, oh, well, this is supposed to be the for, for the people. And, yeah, maybe the only people they want to make sure vote, frankly, and they try to say this is us, but no, the only people that want to make sure our votes are the people like them. You know what I mean? Those are the people that they want to be able to vote, you know, and, and illegals. They just want illegals to be able to, uh, to vote as well. Anybody, I guess they don't want anyone who actually 
is physically in the United States to be able to vote, regardless of whether citizens or whether they're eligible to vote or not. That is their plan. And if given the right time, that could be the fate that we meet. But because as a conservative populist movement that is stronger than ever, we're going to make sure that it doesn't come to that. That is their fervent hope and their fervent wish, but we're going to make sure it doesn't come to that because we're fighting. We're fighting for our country, and we have to. There's no, there's no ifs, ands, or, or buts about it. If we don't, we won't have a constitutional republic left after 2024, and we have to. We have to do what is necessary to preserve this great constitutional republic This 4th of July, this past 4th of July, marked 245 years that we've been a constitutional republic. And you brought up a valid point at the beginning of the show about our founding fathers. This is the worst climax for America since our founding fathers. And I I couldn't agree with you more. It is without any hyperbole. This is the worst we've been at, the worst climax since our founding fathers. And um, we have a very important task ahead of us. And you're right. I wake up every day scared. I wake up every day with uncertainty and not knowing what tomorrow is going to bring. We do live in very, very scary, troubled times. I don't even recognize my country anymore. And it is scary. I'm not going to lie. I wake up every day with fear, with anxiety. I wake up every day with uncertainty. I wake up every day worried for my loved ones, my friends, my family, people I don't even know who are suffering. It is scary times. It is, especially we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but we do know Biden's America is disintegrating at the fastest pace that we could have never imagined, and that is scary for America. I hope that is a wake-up call for a lot of Americans that we need to... Wake up and smell the coffee because, once again, time is not a luxury for us. We have one chance to get this right in 2022. We have one more chance to get this right in 2024. And I fear that if we fail, not only do we fail ourselves and our loved ones, but our country fails. And we cease to exist as a constitutional republic. And God knows what happens after that. I don't even want to think about that. God knows. We certainly will cease to be the land of the free and the home of the brave. And I've got, um, we mentioned earlier tonight uh, about uh, Fulton County. And I got an article and I got an an audio here. It's about nine minutes. We'll play it in it. We'll play all of it. Uh, for you, but and I got the article here. And again, you can find this article and the video uh, at the website at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Uh, you can actually get uh, weekly updates uh, for the uh, the Bards Logic uh, newsroom. Uh, you can subscribe to it. You're not going to get inundated with emails. You'll just get one email a week showing you, oh, you know, Bards Logic uh, the newsroom is out. So subscribe to it. Again, you're not going to get uh, – it's not going to blow up your emails uh, to do so, and it doesn't put you on any type of you know, list that I, that I can access, really. So you're not giving me your email address. You're just signing up to that, and then it goes in um, 
you know, gives them the system where they can email you uh, when the Bard's Logic Newsroom uh, comes out. And we, we garner a lot of our content here on the show uh, from the website, from the newsroom. And so if you want to actually watch the video that I'm getting ready to play the audio from after I read the art, uh, article, then, again, you can find that at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and go to the newsroom. Now, if you're listening to this on the podcast, and the podcast is, you know, from weeks ago, so you're like, oh, this show's, uh, you know, weeks old, but I finally just got the podcast, whether I'm listening, you know, to wherever the different places you can listen to the to the show, and, you know, a podcast apps, iHeartRadio, uh, Apple, um, you know, and soon there'll be some other places uh, that you'll be able to listen to the show as well. But, you know, you can go to the archive. So you can go to the Bard's Logic Newsroom, and actually you could go back dates. So if you want to look at the one from the 14th or the 13th of July, uh, you'll be able to find that. So that's something that is going to be uh, available to you uh, as well if you want to go back and see different videos and different articles from uh, past uh, podcasts. So, and again, that's at www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com. Now, this is, uh, it says, the presentation, now it's a presentation, and it's titled, and this was from yesterday. It says, Georgia subtracted 42,000 173 votes from Trump and adjudicated more than 106,000 ballots. Since the presentation was done by a team of data scientists and programmers with experience working for the U.S. Navy, the CIA, the National Counterterrorism Center, and big four accounting firms, receiving only over 90% of a precinct is a marker for fraud. In Fulton County alone, we can see that more than 150 precincts voted 90% or more for Biden. In the statewide race that was decided by less than 13,000 votes, these 150 Fulton precincts alone accounted for 152,000 Biden votes. This is a clear indicator of suspicion or outright fraudulent activity. We've scanned 113,130. We've adjudicated 106,000. The only ballots that were adjudicated are if we have a ballot with a contest on it in which there's some question as to how the computer reads it. So the vote review panel then determines voter intent. This is Richard Barron, Fulton County Election Director. And it says uh, adjudication is the process of reviewing a ballot that may have, may have been flagged during the ballot scanning process. This is an override function that is meant for a marginal number of ballots, not over 100,000 in one county. The problem in the Kolb County and most likely other counties, the duplication of the ballots were done by election office employees in a separate location without any oversight of a voter review panel. So there's no accountability of what was transcribed from the ballot, original ballot to a new pristine ballot so it could be read by the scanners. And that was from Marcy McCarthy, the Cal County voter review panelist. In 94 precincts in DeKalb County, it is statistically impossible to have 9 out of 10 voters voting for Joe Biden. Now we'll take a closer look 
at some vote manipulation within the election database, including explicit vote count switching from one candidate to another. And I've seen some of that. I've seen that. I've seen video of that. Why are these negative votes and votes switched? Answer, there shouldn't be any. Unbeknownst to the general public, votes for Donald Trump were being switched and removed from his total. Across the three counties of Dodge, Doherty, and Putnam, Trump had 30,000 votes that simply disappeared. In Bibb County, 12,173 votes were subtracted from Donald Trump, while 12,173 votes were added to Joe Biden, a clear and exact switch to vote totals between candidates. According to the Georgia Secretary of State's website, Trump lost by 12,670 votes. As you have seen in this video, which we're getting ready to play the audio, and again, you can watch the video uh, on, by going to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and going to the newsroom, and then you can watch the video. Uh, so again, as you've seen in this video, far more votes than were taken from President Trump. So let me get this keyed up for you so that you can at least hear the video, but again, if, I mean, the, hear the audio, but if you want to see the video, you can... Uh, Access that through uh, the Bard's Logic Political Talk website. Talk about voter fraud and how it was done across the country. We asked questions about how this fraud was committed and highlighted specific vote swings. In this video, we answer those questions with the raw data to support our findings as we explain what we found on a state-by-state basis. Our focus here will be Georgia. I'm still not clear as to why they continue to pick on Fulton County, Georgia, but I can tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt that within Fulton County, Georgia, there was no hanky-panky whatsoever with respect to the recent election. Zero. And I challenge anyone from the President of the United States office, his representatives, Secretary of State of Georgia's office, to come forward with any proof that they have that will contradict what I'm saying. What I said before, and I'll say again today as loudly as I can, either put up or shut up. Receiving 75% or more votes for one candidate in a precinct is abnormal. Receiving over 90% in a precinct is a marker for fraud. In Fulton County alone, we can see that more than 150 precincts voted 90% or more for Biden. In the statewide race that was decided by less than 13,000 votes, these 150 Fulton precincts alone accounted for 152,000 Biden votes. This is a clear indicator of suspicious or outright fraudulent activity. We scanned 113,130 as of moments ago. We've adjudicated 106,000 plus of those. Adjudication, process of reviewing a ballot that may have been flagged during the ballot scanning process. Election supervisor demonstrates how easy it is to change a vote during adjudication. I think I want to vote for Biden. Let's let Biden do this and complete. Okay. The only ballots that are adjudicated are if we have a ballot with a contest on it in which there's some uh, question as to what how the computer reads it. So the, the vote review panel then determines voter intent. And there's my batch, my blank ballot that I want to adjudicate, and I'm going to vote for Doug Collins, and I am going to 
completed, and I just counted that vote. So it's a problem in DeKalb County, and most likely other counties, is that the duplication of the ballots were done by election office employees in a separate location without any oversight of a voter review panel. So there was no accountability uh, of what was transcribed from the original ballot to a new pristine ballot supposed to be read by the scanners. In 94 precincts in DeKalb County, it is statistically impossible to have nine out of 10 voters voting for Joe Biden. We've just seen a few examples of statistical irregularities and impossibilities. Now, let's take a closer look at some vote manipulation within the election database, including explicit vote count switching from one candidate to another. We can see in Dodge County, there's a lot of strange activity going on. The left side of the screen shows incremental votes as they were reported for both election day and absentee. On the right, we can see the total vote counts, which should only be incremental moving as the county reported in real time. Again, here we're focusing only on Donald Trump's votes. So this wouldn't necessarily be captured at the state totals as they're reported on TV, since one county's deduction in votes can be offset by another county's reporting of equal or greater votes. The first question you're gonna to wanna to ask or already have asked is, why are any bars going negative? And the answer is, they shouldn't. Unbeknownst to the general public, Votes for Donald Trump were being switched and removed from his total, which often coincided with other precinct updates that simultaneously offset deductions so that they appeared to remain neutral to outside observers. Across the three counties of Dodge, Daughtry, and Putnam, Trump has over 30,000 votes that simply disappear. Here, we have clear visibility of an event that occurred at the county level as we compare two data sources. In this case, Donald Trump reported 29,391 votes at 9-11 local time in Bibb County, Georgia. Simultaneously, Joe Biden was reported to have 17,218 votes. Minutes later, at the next reported time update from the precinct data sources, Donald Trump was reported to have 17,218 votes, and Biden now has 29,391 votes. A clear and exact switch of vote totals between candidates. Because there is a time lag between each state-reported aggregation of county results, this type of switch can go undetected in state reporting, as long as it falls after the latest state refresh and before the next state update. According to the Georgia Secretary of State website, Trump lost by 12,670 votes. As you saw earlier in this video, far more than that were taken from President Trump. It's statistics. An anomaly or outlier is an observation or event that deviates so much from other events that it arouses suspicions in its generation. In this, an isolation force is defined as a specialized learning algorithm for anomaly detection that works to the principle of isolating these outliers and flagging them for potential review. Remember these graphs when you meet your government officials in person. The burden of proof is on the system to prove our elections were fair and not the people. Okay, so here's how your vote is counted in Georgia using Fulton County's process as an example. So after you check in at a poll pad to vote on election day, you go to an ImageCast precinct terminal. After you cast your vote, a ballot image is saved on the machine. And after all the polls close, the SD cards containing all the ballot images are removed from the terminals and transported by car to, in Fulton County, one of four drop-off locations. Then it's transferred by police escort to the 1365 
English Street Warehouse. Inside of there, it is run through a tabulation software called Democracy Suite, which counts the ballots and exports the totals to a Dominion server that inserts those totals into a SQL Server database. From that point, it's directly transmitted to the CIDL Election Night Reporting Server. The Election Night Reporting Server is responsible for transmitting the totals to the Secretary of State for output to their website and data aggregators like Edison who then transmit that data to the networks. As you just saw, there's a standard process for transferring votes by memory card from precinct to county vote aggregators. Now, let's focus specifically on this square box detailing the data entry process for county updates. The following options are available to anyone with access to these computers working in the election software. Updating vote batches, rejecting vote batches, and even more notable, generating new or temporary batches that can be injected directly into the vote tally. Each of these options can then be validated and published into the system. Again, anyone working in the election software at this point has the power to manipulate large batches of votes. And all of this is before the data is even uploaded to the server. We received an A-plus for our work in the recent election. I would have given them an F. As a cybersecurity professional working in the technology industry for over two decades, I was absolutely astounded and being a voter review panel in that the Dominion systems in which we are adjudicating ballots in had no ability to have an audit control in that a voter review panel could change ballots without any knowledge, without any record, and cast ballots on behalf of the voter without their knowledge of how their vote was cast. What should have happened during the validation process? Were there two observers from both parties present for the transmission of the SD cards? Were there two observers from both parties present in the car when the votes were taken to the drop-off locations? Is there a public log of these exchanges at the various drop-off points and locations? Why are elected officials not asking these questions about our most sacred right to vote? And that is the end of the audio. I definitely recommend if you're listening to, uh, you know, this episode to go to the www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and, and watch the video. It's, it's always nice to have added video uh, for that. And I, I'm going to be sending some of that video out uh, myself. So let's go ahead. And, you know, we do have some more callers. If you'd like to chime in on anything we've talked tonight or anything you've heard uh, so far. Uh, just push the one on your number dial, and we'll get you in. So, you know, there is all the statistical data, and I, I do see uh, someone from Skype wants to get in. I'll get you in the show uh, shortly. Uh, and, Joseph, I mean, you see the, the statistical data uh, there, and you would think at this point someone would try to find, you know, the actual paper ballots. Uh, so that we could actually look at those, uh, see what the chain of custody are. Um, I wish there was a way that you could actually look up your vote to see what your vote looks like when it was uploaded, uh, you know, to the system for the Secretary of State. I wish there was a way that you, you, could, you could look at that to make sure that your, uh, you know, your vote wasn't manipulated. I, I, mean, I mean, I don't even know if that's, kind of technology exists, 
but I can't imagine us not being able to develop something like that, I wouldn't think. Well, I mean, what do you think? Exactly. Uh, it's called American ingenuity. I mean, we have proven throughout our history that we're capable of achieving great things, great feats when uh, we're all uh, are on the same page. And um, I'll just say one more thing that I've been saying on this show for a long time. Uh, do you believe that the, the, the man who currently is our so-called president, who can barely remember what he did yesterday, barely remember what city or what state he's in, he can't get through a speech without going through note cards. And he barely could get 10 people to his rally. And you want to make us believe he even got more votes than Barack Hussein Obama? I mean, the odds of that being pulled off are like one in a cotillion if you add probability and statistics. Do you think we're that stupid? And I'll say one more thing. If he really legitimately won, then why did Democrats fight so hard to suppress all of President Trump's inquiries into the 2020 election? You'd have nothing to hide, right? You would think that the, you, if you legitimately won the election fair and square, then let the Trump legal team process play out because at the end of the day, if the truth is on your side, well, they can't, they can't fabricate something that, is, that never happened. They can't prove something that never happened. They can distort the truth, but they can't prove something that didn't occur. So it makes you wonder if you legitimately won the election – you fought really hard to fight all of Trump's inquiries into the uh, fraud. And to this very day, you're implementing all these uh, voting laws that is actually going to make it easier for Democrats to cheat in the future. So if you legitimately really truly won, you wouldn't have to go to these uh, levels. You wouldn't have to stoop to these levels. You wouldn't need to because – You'd have the American people on your side. You'd have the truth on your side. You have the facts on your side. So it just makes you wonder how some people still can make the claim, oh, well, the Trump people didn't prove that it was stolen because every legal claim or every you know emotion that he filed was rejected or denounced. But once again, you expect us to believe Biden, who couldn't even get 10 people to his rally, Biden, who campaigned in the basement, Biden, who reads off of note cards, won more votes than any other president in history. And may I remind you, in the House races where Trump was on the top of the ticket, not one Republican incumbent lost their seat in the House. If anything, we gained. The Senate was left at a 50-50. What does that say? And uh, I will defer back to you so that other people can can chime in and um, you know opine. And I will and, and, and I will defer to Joe. Thank you very much, Joe, for coming on to the program tonight. Uh, thank you very much. How are you tonight? I'm fine, guys, and I have nothing to say because Joseph said it all. So I just wanted to know the name of the video. Well, the name of the video, um, it doesn't really give it a name, but it's, uh, it says Georgia subtracted uh, 42,173 votes from Trump and adjudicated more than 106,000. If you want to access the, um, 
If you want to access it, go to www.bardslogicpoliticaltalk.com and then go to the uh, the Bard's Logic newsroom where you can go to there, and that will show you to the, the website uh, that you can get the uh, the video. And the website, uh, if you scroll down, you know, in the politics, I believe it's in the politics section, uh, you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to find that. Okay, thanks. Me, um, yeah, so you might you probably be able to find it. Yeah, somewhere in there. Um, let's see, I'm I'm on the website now. Yeah, and that's also where you could get uh, from the indivisible uh, video I played earlier as well. Um, so yeah, right. you could you could find you could yeah you could find it there. Um, okay. So now, if anybody if anybody knows ITs on the line, uh, they're probably excited about Lindell's um, symposium, where he says he's going to present absolute proof that the election was stolen because he has every single vote in America, all the millions of them, electronically recorded in such a way that will prove that the uh, Trump votes were flipped over to Biden because they're trapped in such a way that once they're trapped, they cannot be altered. So he has that um, IT symposium coming up, which is going to be in front of, I don't know, a few dozen IT managers. And once, I guess, he gets their unanimous vote that uh, what he has is absolute proof, then he predicts that the Supreme Court will be forced to come down with a verdict of 9-0 to zero and that the election was stolen. And while I'm mentioning uh, links here, uh, I wouldn't feel like I was doing my uh, due diligence. Uh, we Remember some time ago we had uh, Jack Lombardi on his on the show, and he's running against uh, Adam Kinzinger, and he did put out a tweet earlier. You know, of course, as we know how campaigns go, um, you know they do have where they need donations, and so at this point, you know, it's Lombardi for Congress dot com. Uh, you know, asking for like a twenty five dollar donation. So if anyone out there, whether you're listening live, whether you're listening to the podcast, if uh, either candidate, we certainly could uh, use in the fight against Adam Kinzinger. Uh, if you missed the uh, the show with him on it, I mean, the guy stayed on for three hours. And I mean, I'm, I've been working on a candidate now who said they can't come on at ten o'clock at night. You know, now I don't know why. I don't know if they just either sleep or if maybe they have meetings every night at ten o'clock or or what have you, but. If you're a candidate and you can't take a phone call or you can't do a phone call at 10 o'clock at night, then what are you going to do if you get that 2.30 in the morning call, you know? So, again, it might not be that. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, but it was kind of disconcerting when I try, to get, I try to get a candidate on. I won't say who at this point, but I try to get a candidate on, and their advisor, I guess scheduler, you know, states that, oh, well, you know, you know they don't. The person doesn't do ten o'clock. Uh, you know interviews can't do ten o'clock. So it's like, well, I hope he's not like Sleepy Joe and he's already in bed. I mean, again, it could be where that just be meetings. Maybe he does dinner. Maybe that's family time. I don't know. But still, that would be something uh, that you know. I don't know. And I reached back out. And said, okay, well, we could do 
alternative times, alternative days, like we have done before in the past on the show. But uh, but but we'll see. I'll keep you I'll keep you updated when you know when we get folks on. But yeah, I kind of made a, a faux pas tonight, Joe. Is uh, I originally thought that a guest was going to come on uh-huh. who we've had on the show before. Uh, you may remember him if you've listened to the podcast. Uh, in the past, or you know, maybe uh, listen to it. Uh, but for next week, which again I thought was today, but uh, I did look at the calendar again. It did say that it was going to be the 21st. Uh, we are going to have uh, Mark Henkel on, who is the national polygamy advocate. So he's got an interesting take on, you know, his defense of polygamy in the United States. So it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting okay. show. It has been an interesting show the last two times uh, he was on. Uh, very in- interesting uh, perspective and, and and how he approaches uh, that being, you know, something that should be, you know, allowed here in the United States. More, more world, you know, wide, widely than it already is. Okay, cool. So, yeah, that was, that was supposed to be this week. Uh, I mean next week, but I, I I put it in for it to be this week, so I have to try to make some changes uh, <laughs> on the description of. Well, I'd rather show. hear about the election fraud and whatever kind of evidence that's um, being presented than uh, you know than hear about polygamy. Well, certainly, but I like to mix it up here on the show. I haven't had him on for a while. Uh, we don't always talk about. Well, I mean, it, it, it can be political. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I understand. I mean, we're, we'll talk about that too, but. You know, again, I do. I do like to mix it up some. You know, again, it's a different. It's an interesting topic. Um, at least for me, it's an interesting topic. I mean, as I say in the website, you know, we'll, you know, I'll talk about as much as I can what people want to talk about. But every once in a while, I'll you know throw in some topics that I think are pretty interesting. And for me, at least, and especially the way, you know, what his arguments are. I mean, I, I find them. I find them fascinating, to be honest. Hmm. Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so yeah. yeah but, but I mean, I'm glad we're talking about you know the whole voter fraud because I mean you're hearing a little bit about it still, but I mean people really aren't talking. People really aren't talking that much about it though. I mean, it's like not only are they you know, not well, talking because about they it. They can't really reinstate Trump. You know, it don't okay. matter anymore. But can you hear me? It, it, it does. Not only are they not talking about it, Bill O'Reilly says uh, the election. Um, was not stolen. He also says that um, um, when Biden announced that he was going to go do this door-to-door, um, checking if, if people um, got vaxxed or not, Bill O'Reilly said he can't do that because it's unconstitutional, it's against the law. I think uh, Bill O'Reilly, along with some of the other political pundits, have sold out. They're, they may be afraid of the lawsuit from Dominion, or being fired by their uh, their masters. Oh, well, you know what he's done? Not, well, I think he sold out a long time ago. I remember one time, here's a little funny story for you guys, is that, um, so here, I'm not going to, you know, uh, so you, if you remember, I, I used to watch the show, and you used to be able to email them. And I actually emailed into a show about Romney. And, and asking them how could he support because he was a he was a Romney supporter. I mean, even during the primary, he was a Romney supporter. 
Oh, and, okay. you know, I kind of emailed him about why is Fox pushing Romney when there's people, where there's candidates who are more conservative in the, um, you know, in the race. And so I was asking him about that in my email. And, of course, he denied it on the show, but the, the part that's kind of funny is here you've got this very intellectual guy, right, supposedly, and I'm, he's, he's a smart guy, so this real uh, intellectual guy, and the guy couldn't even pronounce my last name. And it's not, it's not like it's a foreign-sounding last name. It's an easy last name, yeah, which I won't say here on the show because I've, I've already had a couple people, you know, not just on the show, but I, I had somebody on Twitter one time. I, mm-hmm. I had to change my Twitter uh, one time because I actually, you know, the, the guy, frankly, long story short, the guy looked me up. The, the, the guy, I mean, I had to, I had to, I had to, uh, different pages I had to shut down and everything because this guy on Twitter, he actually looked me up and tried to get me fired from my job. You know, so I'm like, wow, I, that's pretty petty. When a guy, you know, sees you on Twitter, sees you on the, you know, your name on the radio. Yeah. And they try to get you fired from your job. <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, I actually had like multiple high up people from the you know from my department in the in the company I work for actually look into this thing, and I had a, a meeting with you know with two uh, you know two supervisors or you know, two managers or whatever you know about it. I'm like, are you kidding me? This is, I think it's it was, it was ridiculous. But this guy actually wait, I mean, obviously wait, I didn't get fired because I'm still working there, but. Are we talking about Bill O'Reilly, the intellectual who couldn't keep it in his pants and got fired from Fox? Oh, that Bill O'Reilly. Yeah, he's really smart. Yeah, absolutely. Is that why he yeah. got fired? Yes, that is exactly why he got fired. He got sexual harassment, Joe, I think you remember that, right? He was yeah. accused of many sexual uh, assault uh, allegations, and they, and, they, and they were proven correct. And a lot of women came out, um, including people working on Fox. And that's why he fell from grace. And uh, they fired him, and, of course, they gave him a severance. But, Joe, I think you remember that. I think that happened What when, Joe? I think around 2013 or 14, around that? Technically, Joseph, he didn't get um, – they didn't prove it. He settled out of court for $25 million. Yeah, I've got a hard time – I mean, uh, he may or may not have done it. I, I've got a – I mean, I, I, I just have a – he may or may not have done it. Um, and I don't put a whole lot of creams in the Me Too movement anyway. Okay. No, I don't either. I mean, I think it, I think he could have very well gotten. Um, you know, I, I think a lot. I mean, he might have done it with some, but once they all start jumping on board, that's when I start getting suspicious. Mm. That's when I start getting suspicious when a lot of people start jumping on board. Yeah. Correct. Um, correct. Um, say for example, Cuomo. Cuomo in New York is a lousy governor. They even have a worse uh, mayor, de Blasio. So what I figured was Cuomo had to have um, angered the wrong people, the real powers that be, not not his constituents. Because if you remember, he was accused and had denied it of um, of saying that uh, nursing homes had, had to, or they were mandated to take in COVID patients from hospitals. So they did that. He signed a directive. He had it up on the web. It got taken down. Now, 
Uh, for a while, he was accused of it. He tap danced around it, and nothing happened to him. Then all of a sudden, a few months ago, this Letitia James, she's the attorney general for New York. She comes after him. She's a Democrat. Then um, a few women came after him for sexual harassment. Then the total went up to seven. Okay, now you don't hear anything of it. Now, the funny thing about it is that um, Letitia James came right behind Cuomo with a directive to the nursing homes and told them that they should follow the directive of uh, Cuomo uh, mandating that they take in COVID patients. So she was complicit in the, um, in the what should be termed murder of those, um, of those nursing home patients. But she's after Cuomo. So now you don't hear anything of it, so I'm sure that he kissed the ass of the powers that be so that he, he could get back into favor again. He must have been a little bit too wide for his britches at one point. Hmm. You know what I don't understand, though? What I don't understand and is very disappointing is at least Californians, they have the guts to come out in large numbers and recall Governor Newsom. And, in, in, uh, and also the same thing with uh, Governor uh, Witchmore. Uh, in in uh, wi- uh, Michigan. Wisconsin. Michigan. I'm sorry, Mis- Michigan. My apologies. Yeah, Michigan. Uh, I'm kind of confused, Joe. I haven't lived in New York in a long time. What's going on with New Yorkers in New York who have not even tried to recall um, Cuomo in any way, shape, or form? I-, I would I I would agree that his acts during the lockdown measures were ten times more egregious compared to Whitmer's and compared to uh, Newsom, uh, and yet no one has even dared to try to recall him whatsoever. Yeah, or they well, threatened to impeach um, him, but they haven't followed through. Well, well, whatever you read about New York is what I read about New York. I'm only guessing that since it's a democratic city and a democratic state, for the most part, that um, uh, they're not going to because they're Democrats, immigrants, and stupid. So, and, and in terms of the recall in, um, in California, <laughs> the same thing going on with the recall is the same thing going on with the election fraud. If we, I just took a look at the, at the, um, the posted um, cumulative results, current results of what's happening with the recall there. And um, do you actually know that they have on the web saying that more people want um, Newsom to stay in as governor than to get him out. I don't believe it. I believe more people want him out than to have him stay in. But they've got the percentages in favor of Newsom staying in. So here we go again with with the petition fraud, just as we had with election fraud. Uh, that is indeed very disappointing. Um, I I hope there's a hell mary, and I. I hope Newsom does actually successfully get recalled and Whitmer as well. But you bring a valid point, and that is scary, Joe. That is very scary. Yeah, it is. So I haven't heard anything more about Cuomo. But when you, when I take a look at the politicians in um, in America, I'm always taking a look at Cuomo, Newsom, Abbott, and DeSantis. Oh, and by the way, DeSantis is the nice new flavor of the month. He is the pro-Trump um um, anti-rhino, anti-democrat governor, 
But what happened was is that he signed a bill saying that vaccine passports were not to be allowed in the state of uh, Florida. Sounds good. Except if you read the bill, I haven't read the bill, but I read the article about the bill, that there's a provision in there that even though he's making vaccine passports illegal, he has in that bill that the state, by any means necessary, I saw this in quotes, by any means necessary, can get any resident of uh, Florida vaccinated. So on one hand, he's saying we are protecting the people against forced vaccination because we're not going to allow the private sector to intimidate their employers or rather their employees and potential employees and potential customers. But on the other hand, they're saying, well, we're not going to let them intimidate people, but we will, the state. So I don't trust any of these policies. Are you talking about the state employees? No, anybody in the state. What's the name? What's the name of the bill? Um, I don't know. But the headline of the article that I had read um, is Oh God, Newsom signs anti-vaccine passport. Well, just put in these keywords. Um, DeSantis, not Newsom, DeSantis, vaccine passport, and by any means necessary. So just put in DeSantis, vaccine passport, and then the phrase, by any means necessary. And within a few websites that pop up, you should be um, you should get a, an article written by um, was it Steve Watson or Joseph Watson, and they talk about it. So that's those are the keywords I would put in: uh, DeSantis, vaccine passport, and by any means necessary. But has that source been completely validated? Because there's a lot of times that the people are reporting inaccurate news. Because I would think if that were true, uh, that that would have already been a dumpster fire that would have come all, all over the national media. Dems would have been enjoying that, and Fox would have covered it. So uh, are you sure that's 100% substantiated? Oh, I don't know if it's accurate. No, that's why there's only what I read. The only way we can find out if it's accurate enough is if we actually go and read the bill. I haven't read the bill. But the uh, maybe there's a link to the bill in the article. And if there is, and if that bill does say what it, uh, the article says it says, then, you know, that's just another politician talking out both sides of his ass. I would think something like that would definitely disqualify him from being a contender of VP. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd have to read the bill to just make sure because I know there's a lot of uh, news outlets out there that are reporting fake news every day, so I'm not sure. Absolutely. I guess I'd have to read the bill as well, yeah. Um, if I weren't so lazy, I would go and put on my PC and take a look at it, but um, I'm here in bed uh, relaxing. <laughs> 
Uh, no worries, I'm guilty of the same thing. So, but I am enjoying the show. Mm. I mean, if, if if both of you really want to know what the name of the bill is, I'll turn on my T, my PC, and I'll I'll find it. But I'll take a few minutes. Uh, I I'd, I'd love that. What about you, Robert? Well, it has here, it says, if the individual, you know, it says, if the individual poses a danger to the public health, the state health officer may subject the individual to isolation or quarantine. If there is no practical method to isolate or quarantine the individual, the state officer may use any means necessary to vaccinate or treat the individual. So, I mean, what it doesn't state is that that's not the first means of keeping, you know, keeping the people safe. Because first it says the first thing is is they can only vaccinate someone if, one, they pose a danger to public health, and two, they're, they're, they're not able to isolate or quarantine the person. So there are two conditions there. If he's not a danger to public health, which means that the contagion level has to be very, very small or non-existent. And if they, if the Democrats want to use shedding, which they deny now, as part of their scheme to scare the public, they might admit later that the shedding, which supposedly goes on if you're vaccinated, does occur, and as a result will infect people. So that would satisfy that condition. The other condition that you read is if they can't quarantine. Now, laws are always open to interpretation, and it doesn't mean that the the interpreter is always on the side of the American people. So that little provision is there that could be used as a loophole in order to quarantine, in order to vaccinate somebody without their will. Now, O'Reilly says um, that Biden's door-to-door can't be done. It's unconstitutional. It's illegal. I think we all know that politicians don't give a rat's ass about whether or not something's illegal or not. They'll just do it, put a spin on it, and a lot of people will go, yep, yep, uh, I guess uh, I guess they're right, uh, yep. So it looks like there's have, there would have to be some criteria met. Um, In order for that to take, in order for that to take place. But again, uh, criteria can be interpreted by uh, by any court that wants to in, uh, either interpret it correctly or or incorrectly. And I think most of the judges in the judicial system are as bought off as the politicians are. Well, it, but remember, it says if the individual is unable to be isolated or quarantined. That's huge. I mean, I mean, what what circumstances could there be where someone can't be isolated or quarantined? That's right. I Bob. mean, there, so is there somebody, any is there anything right. that could come up that would di- that would disallow someone to go under quarantine? Oh, you got a, you got COVID. Stay in your house. There you I go. mean, that's if someone is unable to be quarantined. I mean, what's the chances of that happening? Now, maybe they're talking about someone who's living on the streets. Perhaps I don't know. But, again, I'm just going off of this where it says, you know, if there is no practical method to isolate or quarantine the individual. So, again, no practical method. I mean, 
If they come to your house. What would be the chance of that actually happening? (laughs) Pretty good. If they come to your house and if they find that you're not vaxxed and there's no practical method of quarantining you, well, the practical method is they can take you to jail. That's the practical method of quarantining you. Yeah, but you stay in your your home. That's quarantine. You don't don't go to. to work for two weeks. If they want to. But if they don't want to, another practical method would be to take you to a hospital or to take you to jail. Well, I, I just don't foresee out, that. I don't foresee that. Out of hospital. I, I don't foresee that. I think Governor DeSantis has proven with his impeccable record that uh, he, he would not allow something like that to happen under his watch, and his record speaks for himself. Uh, Florida was one of the very first states to 100% open up. Florida is one of the fastest-growing states in the whole country. Uh, I think his record uh, speaks volumes to his character. I don't think DeSantis would allow any of that to happen under his watch. I think he would. He's a politician. And everybody's an honest politician until they're not. Well, I mean, they're all. I mean, they're all politicians. I mean, he, I mean, if we're, I mean, we're going to have to. You have to put some trust in some people, or else you. I mean, or there's going to be total anarchy. I mean, you, you, I mean, whether people like government. I'm not saying you you rely on government, but what I'm saying is that you know they're, they're out there. I mean, unless you want to have have there be no governing bodies at all. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's what you're suggesting, Joe. I mean, if you belong to a governing body, especially an elected one, you're, you're considered a politician. I mean, anyone who gets elected is a politician. That's so, right. I mean, unless, we, unless, we, unless, unless everyone's appointed by somebody, then, you know, so, you know, someone's a politician. But I think that maybe – I mean, remember, he's the governor. He didn't write the law. He signed it. So, whereas he may have signed that, yeah, he he may have signed that because, like, look, it's so improbable that someone's not going to be able to be quarantined, you know, when the main the the main push of the law is to outlaw, you know, the passports, you know, because it says, you know, you you know, no no business or government entity will be able to deny you services based on your decision. So you don't have to you don't have to get it, and you can't be they can't deny you services. That that's the, that's that's the concern of the passport. The passport isn't the concern. Like hey, man, that, the passport doesn't cover mandatory vaccinations. That's not what the the passport's about. The passport is you have to prove you have it in order to get anywhere. Which means you now, have to there, be vaccinated. Now what there should be. Yeah. Well, what there well what there should well what there should be is a separate bill that bans people from being made to have to be vaccinated. That vaccine now, passport. Again, that vaccine passport forces you if you want to get on a plane, see your doctor, go to work, and eventually even get food from the supermarket with a QRC code. You have to get vaccinated, regardless of whether you want it or not. But that's but that's what this bill this bill outlaws people kept making you show the show that. Let me go to the, my the, PC. The, 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 
the bill, you know, the bill out, the bill outlaws that. It outlaws people having to be, outlaws people needing to show that. That's what the bill outlaws. And, and I completely get where Joe is coming from. Joe is not the only one that feels a great level of distrust in in politicians overall. But you are right, Robert. If we are going to save our Republic, if we are going to uh, fight to save our country, we are going to have to put a certain degree of trust in certain politicians who are fighting for the same causes. That's just the leap of faith we're going to have to take because the other scenario of just saying, by default, you're a politician, therefore I can't trust you, well, that's not going to get us anywhere. And prime example was Donald Trump. I mean, he's not your ordinary politician, but that's the field he entered, and he sure made a uh, gargantuan difference in turning around our country for the better. So, uh, we're well, going to yeah, have he to did while he was there. That's true. But he's also the catalyst of the cause for the uh, for the lockdown in the entirety of America, because that was him who came out with the suggestion. I don't know if he had the power to actually mandate it. I don't know if he mandated it, but he suggested it strongly, and uh, most of the states followed, and then they didn't let up. They didn't let up the lockdown. Some of them did. South Dakota didn't um, didn't lock down. Then he's in so, favor of the vaccine. That by itself well, puts. Um, I've always said that that was Trump's biggest mistake on the show. That he should have never shut down our economy. That was a big mistake, and that he has to live with. However, uh, point to me one president that was completely flawless, of no error in office. And number two, had it not been for Trump's intervention in January, early on with the China ban, uh, we'd be looking at hundreds of millions of deaths in the United States. And had it not been Trump who was at the helm uh, during the COVID pandemic, I guarantee you we would be a modern-day depression. No one would have hired, uh, would have, uh, you know, managed it as well as Trump did. Uh, he did. Granted. And yeah. I think that's why 81 million people unequivocally stated yeah, you made a few mistakes, but you, we still want you to be at the helm. We still want you to be our president. Um, and, you know, I, I, I stand by President Trump. Uh, actions speak louder than words. Our economy soared to heights we've never seen. Um, the economy was booming. Um, he eradicated ISIS. Uh, our enemies were not emboldened. Uh, he did everything to drain the swamp. He governed as a conservative populist. He got a lot of great things done, um, so you know it's easy to point to the flaws, but uh, and not acknowledge uh, all the successes he had. But nonetheless, I mean, despite all of that, the American people see that he is truly for the people, and in large numbers, the American people want him as president and would gladly support him in 2024. So at the end of the day, he has the love and support of the majority of the American people. And over 81 million Americans whose vote went for Trump overwhelmingly, who felt disenfranchised. So at the end of the day, the majority of the people uh, put their confidence in President Trump, and, and, and so do I. Granted, he made a big mistake. Granted, he made the mistake from the beginning of not surrounding his cabinet by the most trustworthy people to run it. But granted, if you have to look and outweigh his administration... With the pros and the cons, well, the pros greatly outweigh the cons. And he will go down in history as one of the most successful uh, presidents in our country's history, um, unequivocally. Mm, a lot of what you say is true, 
But when it comes to the vaccine, there's no excuse for it. He has to know that it's dangerous. He has to know that 24,000 people have died as a result of the vaccine. And um, the excuse that he's surrounding himself, insulating himself by people who don't, don't let him know what's going on can't be true anymore because he's out of the office and he he's a civilian and he can pick anybody he wants to be his his um his advisors and can watch tv or listen to the radio so i'm gonna so i'm gonna say he did well when he was in office but now now that he's out of office i don't like his stance on the vaccine which is now proving itself to be extremely dangerous but his stance on the vaccine is, when a vaccine comes out, it's not even a vaccine, it's a trial, just like when the polio trial came out. Trump, what Trump was trying to do would be what any responsible president was trying to do. He was trying to come up with the vaccine in record time uh, in hopes of turning around this pandemic. I mean, that's, and he did the right thing. I mean, imagine if people didn't do that with the polio vaccine. Uh, and when the polio vaccine first came out, it had very, very adverse side effects uh, as well. I mean, it does take a couple of years to, right. you know, work out the tweaks with the FDA. Nonetheless, I mean, President Trump fulfilled his duties, and he was at the helm of trying to get a vaccine so that people but he could, made, uh, but he he got could a start reopening vaccine. the country. And, uh, no, Salk, and Salk, who was, he, um, who was the inventor of the polio vaccine, said that the vaccine was overhyped and not as effective as people thought it was. When it comes to this, um, again, since he's out of office, he can take a look at the vaccine and admit that, okay, I made a mistake, but he hasn't. He is saying that the well, vaccine is, is, is very safe. It isn't. That may be valid and that may not be valid, but all I can say is that he is the most popular, beloved conservative on the planet. People are following him everywhere at his rallies, at, 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 at conventions. I'm not talking uh, about his popularity, people, Joseph. There's I'm, no denying. I'm talking it. about the people. The American people think different. The majority of American people are behind Trump, and they are behind Trump for many, many positive reasons. And that is just not a coincidence. You don't have 81 million people who are I'm supporting not Trump stronger than ever. He is popular. Correct. But what he's Correct. done he's when it comes to our American... See, what he did when he was in office was good. Um, the tariffs, the um, Mideast um, agreements, good. But the vaccine is a killer. The vaccine is the, um, is the critical issue. He's still denying that it has any type... He's still denying that it has any type of health I adverse effects. I don't think it's a critical issue. To be honest, you know what the critical issues are? Staggering inflation, uh, getting our economy back on track, the policies that the Biden, uh, Biden regime is killing, killing uh, our, our, our industry, killing the, the Dakota pipeline, the Keystone pipeline. We went from being one of the most energy independent nations in the world to non-independent. Our enemies are more emboldened. Um, I think people want to go back to the Trump days, and they're unequivocally coming out in, in large I'm numbers. I'm not talking about yeah, his popularity. Is still very popular. I'm not talking about well, his popularity. I'm talking about his decision about a health issue that could kill. And I don't think people care about that because, well, to be honest, 
that's not on the top of the list. Vaccines. That's the least of our worries. No, people are. Well, no, people don't want to take vaccines. To. Well, well, wait a minute. Okay, I'm going inter- but- I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to interject. Hold on, guys. I'm going to interject here. Because, I mean, I don't know if you listen to, you know, his most, his most recent rallies. One, here's the thing. If the guy did not have warp speed, if he would have not had, you know, Remember, he's not the. I mean, he's the, he did not create the. He did not create the vaccines. He's the one who put in motion for them to be created, but he's not the one who actually created them. He's also not. He's also not saying that people have to take the vaccine. He's not saying that. He's he has, he has said, and I have heard him. It's a personal choice on whether you take the vaccine or not. So he's not trying to push people to take the vaccine. Yes, he is. Like you know, like these. He's not. Pre- he's not pressing yes, people to take the vaccine. He's wow. not saying that the mandate is to take it. Where, where, where have you heard him say it? But he's pushing it. He's saying if it's safe. He's relying on his popularity to let people know that his decision to let the vaccine exist, even though he's out of office. It's not, when no, somebody who was that his, popular. It's, Joe, it's not yeah. his decision on whether. The vaccine exists. I'm not talking it's about whether that's his decision, Bob. I'm talking about his popularity right now and his decision to say that the vaccine is 95% safe. It is not 95% safe. There have been 3.5 million people who have reported to the VARS, which is the CDC website, about their particular problem. 200,000 of them. Um, Specifically about the adverse reaction reactions to the vaccine, and twenty four thousand okay. people how, how many, have died. Uh, well, let, let's well let's do this mathematically. How many people have gotten the vaccine? Um, how many how, how many people have got few taken the vaccine? How many how many how many millions have taken the vaccine? Mm, I don't know. How, what do you estimate? Oh, I, I I don't know. I don't I don't know how many to take it. But through my understanding, they say. At least forty percent of the country, if, if if not more than that, has taken it. Okay. I don't know either, but but Trump is never. And Robert, you're right. Trump has never once stated you have to take the vaccine or you should. It's a personal choice. And here's the scenario: it's like damned if he does, damned if he don't. For those well, yeah. out there who will never accept Trump, you're just never going to accept the guy, no matter what. He he could have the cure for cancer tomorrow, and people will still be arguing against him. And at the end of the day, Robert, you're right. He did not invent the drug. He invented the policy of warp speed to get it out there. So it's like, okay, that's the, then this is what I throw to people who are arguing that against Trump. Who would you rather have? Trump at the helm? Trump back in office? Or you want Biden? Those are your two choices. And I think that's why his popularity is growing, is because for four years, he achieved feats that many said were impossible, that many laughed at him and said he was a celebrity clown apprentice who never amounts to anything. And he achieved feats that no other president has ever achieved. And so it's like, damned if you do, damned if you don't, I'm sorry. If I had to choose, I'm 100% with Trump. He has proven that he is not a career politician, that he did everything to drain the swamp. He had a very successful four years. And people want to return back to the Trump days. And we'll do that by getting him in office in 2024. 
So you're either with Trump, and if you're not with Trump, you can only be on one other side, and that's the Biden side. But you can't have your cake and try to eat it. You don't have to necessarily be on the Biden side, but the thing. Hold on a second. Here's what I'm trying to find. Because now I, I mean I don't, I don't trust the personally. I don't trust the vaccine. I haven't taken it, and I'm not going to take it. And if my employer tries to force me to take it, I'm going to fight like all hell to not take it. And actually, I would probably end up getting fired, and then sue my, and then sue the company I work for. You know, for trying to get me, because I'm not in the healthcare field. I'm not in any field where I'm around tons and tons of people. So, and they and they do have a way where I could work from home and not ever have to step foot in the office and still do my job. So, if they ever tried to mandate for me to take the vaccine, I would sue the company I work for. Well, they're trying because to make the military have, uh, take have, the I vaccine. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't have to be by. I don't have to be by. A human, I don't have to be by any human being whatsoever to do my job. And so they can give me reasonable accommodation before firing me if they try to mandate taking the vaccine. So I don't take it. But my point, but the, what I'm, the reason I'm trying to, you know, to say that is if, you said 3,000 people died because of the vaccine, right? 24,000 people died. 24,000, okay. Uh-huh. So, you know, you have 24,000, okay, and let's say, let's say something. Let's say, let's use a, let's say 48 million oh, people go. got the vaccine, and I think more than that's gotten it, right? So, yeah, if you take 24,000, Right, and divide it by 48 million, which, again, I think more than 48 million people have taken the vaccine. This is just for now, yeah. Well, yeah, for um, now. For yeah. now, but, but, but that is, I mean, that's 0.05% of people who took the vaccine died from it now, just now. Okay, so he's only going, and remember, Trump is only going off of the, just like a lot of people, Okay, Trump is only going off of the information that is being said. That's all he's going off of, okay? And if he's going to do what, we, what I think what, I, you know, I think Joseph is alluding to, if he is going against, you know, if he's going to try to do the greater good, okay, so, and by saying, look, it's up to you whether you get the, you know, it's up to you whether you get the vaccine or not. Personally, I think if you get the vaccine, you're kind of a dummy. But, you know, I mean, I, mean, I got friends and family who take it, and I'm like, eh. But anyway, uh, but it's my choice. And, 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 because, and just because he's not saying, oh, the vaccine's bad, the vaccine's bad, the vaccine's bad, he's saying people basically do your own research, do, you know, and it's your choice whether to take it. And if you're one of those people who look at all the information that you got that's out there, including about the people that's death, including the people who are wary about what could be in the vaccine, and you decide to take it anyway, I can't speak for Trump, but he might have the same stance I've got. The information's out there. Trump knows the information's out there. If you decide 
to not heed that warning and you take a vaccine like well then that's his fault. That's someone else's fault. But by him and, and it's unfortunate but by Trump touting out there all oh, the the vaccine's dangerous, all oh, it can kill people or it's got these things that affect people's DNA they will they okay, unfortunately there was enough people in our nation who was able to be fooled by the media and actually made to hate Trump by the media. The one the one politician that's finally tried to clean up Washington, even after for decades, almost a, almost a century, people were talking about the corruption of Washington, D.C., to finally get a president in there that wants to combat it, and the media were able to dupe enough people to allow this Okay, once to again, I'm not talking about his popularity, and I know he was I'm not a very talking good about president. It. I'm not talking about – no, 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 I'm, I'm not that – Joe, I'm not talking about his popularity either. I'm just saying you got to fight the right battle. And for Trump to come out and say, oh, the vaccine's bad, you shouldn't trust it, you know, you know – you know the media is going to rip him to shreds, and which could very well make another steal in another election that much more possible. Well, that's one way so, of looking at it. Um, but the thing is, if he's a responsible human, a former president, it's not about. But but you got it's about his popularity. His popularity good. allows people to take the vaccine just because he believes that it's good. It's his responsibility as a former president who may be running with DeSantis as a VP to take a look at a major decision um, to let people know about this particular issue. This issue that, is a major issue of is our time. True. But that is that, not true, and it's not about his popularity. It's not about – so you mean to tell me that 81 million Americans are just dumb and we don't know any better – just like the argument would be for the Dems who said that Biden won fair and square. You mean to tell me the majority are just hypnotized by Trump and we don't know any better well, and you can't make an informative decision? No, no. Yeah. You've got to ask yourself. First of all, you've got to ask what made him so popular because five years ago when he entered the primaries, he was up against 17 Republicans who pretty much said he didn't have a chance in hell at even winning the primary who laughed and said, are you kidding me? He's a celebrity apprentice clown. And who on election day in 2016 had a 7% chance of winning. So let's see why he's so popular. Joseph, Could it be because he's the first the president? It's not about, he's the first you can say president. he's popular, and I'll agree with right, you. Right, right. Okay? But he is the that, first that president. That issue's off the table. He's okay, popular. Okay. He's the, he's, the issue hold on, is already... Hold on, hold on. The issue's already he's, agreed to. You don't have to but keep hold repeating on. Let me finish. Let me finish. Let me finish. He is the first president in a very long time to go into office and to do what he said he was going to do. That's why 81 million Americans voted table, for him the Joseph. second time. It's off the table, Joseph. I'm agreeing well, with you. Let me he's popular. Let, let, You've already let, said let, this. Let I'm finish. agreeing with you. We hold, have to talk, hold, hold, we have to hold talk on, about what the major but, issue but, is. But okay, let me okay, finish. Hold on. Okay. Let me finish. Give me a chance. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Let me finish. And then you have the floor, but let, give me a chance because 
you don't know what I'm going to say until I actually say it. You may think you know what I'm going to say, but you don't know it until I actually say it. Because I, I can't read your mind, neither can you read mine. I wish we had that ability. If we had that ability, I know what the lotto would be for tomorrow, the numbers. So what I'm trying to say is he proved his worth in office. That's why people want him back in office. And the main issue is not the vaccines. You're actually falling into the Democrats' propaganda narrative of make, make, making the major focus about vaccines because most Americans who have been polled and who have been surveyed and who went on the record and saying vaccination is the least of our worries. We have an economy that's on the verge of a modern-day depression that has nothing to do with the vaccines. We have Democrats who are continuing this mantra of making excuses to continue the lockdown measures in blue stronghold states that are crippling the economy. And we have a president that is weak in foreign policy that are emboldening our enemies, such as Iran, North Korea, and China. So let's really address the elephant in the room. People don't wake up every day in the majority thinking about the vaccines. People wake up every day and think, is this going to be the day that I get my pink slip for my job? Is this going to be the day that I could put food on the table for my family? Is this going to be the day that I get evicted from my landlord for not being able to pay rent? Is this going to be the day that I lose my business that's barely hanging on a thread? Is this the day that I'm going to be foreclosed on a mortgage I've had for over 30 years in great standing? When you ask most people, it's the economy, the economy, the economy, not the vaccines. With the left and the I'm not talking about the surveys. Is Joseph, succeeding you're going to keep on talking. I want to interrupt, with okay? Left, because the left I'm going to give you all eight minutes. I'm almost done. Okay, Here's the okay, thing. I'm, I'm almost done. Just give me a chance. Okay, we're running out of time, unfortunately. All right. I'm, Again, this I'm is probably done. one we could do uh, another hour. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I, mean, I'm, I promise then, I'm, then, I'm almost done. I was, uh, was going to wrap up. All I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, and, and, then I'll, and, and then I'll finish and I'll give whoever they want the floor. At, at, at the end of the day, Trump has, that is not the main issue. And that is what the left-wing media has succeeded in, in doing, in deflecting from Biden's America collapsing. Is they want to make the vaccine a focal issue, that that's what Americans are concerned about. And I'm here to tell you that that, that is not the truth. Americans are scared about the economy. They're scared that they're going to be able to support their children and put food on the table. And if you have numbers to the contrary that support that the majority of Americans are more concerned with the vaccines than anything, then please present that, and I will defer back to you. Okay. Now, before I get on Trump for a second, um, Bob, were you reading, because I got the uh, the article, um, you read... If the individual poses a danger to the public health, the state health officer may subject the individual to isolation or quarantine, right? Right. Okay. And then right after that it says if there is no practical method to isolate or quarantine, yada, yada, yada. You read that, right? I read that. Or, yeah, vaccinate or treat. Okay. Um, They didn't end with vaccinate. It said or treat. And let me see. According to the person here, it says in the article, it's the same article that you and I are reading, and then I'll get on Trump in a second. 
Individuals can be subjected to quarantine or isolation if they refuse to be examined, tested, vaccinated, or treated during a, pel- a public health emergency such as COVID-19. Okay? That's the problem about the particular bill. Now, to get back on Trump, and we can get on the bill if we have time, is that, okay, he's popular. I grant you that. I like him, except for the vaccine. Um, he said at the very beginning, he hasn't said it now, but he hasn't, he hasn't implied that people have to be forced to take the vaccine, but he's in favor of it. He says it's 95% safe, and he did say people should take it. He didn't say, and you don't have to hear him say, um, people should be mandated to take it. No, he said people should take it. He's relying on his popularity. Did he do well in office? Absolutely. Is it a major health issue? Um, is it over the economy, according to um, some Americans? I haven't seen any surveys on that. But a lot of Americans do not want to take the vaccine, especially health care workers. The military is being forced to take it now. now that, the, that is ridiculous. What? What do you mean? That's ridiculous that the, they're making the yeah right the, the military um, take it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah, they're, yeah. Um, they've already, uh, like I said, they're, they're thinking about it. They probably will make him take it. Um, Clinton forced the, the people in the military when he was president to take experimental, um, uh, depart, uh, take an experiment. So the thing is, is this vaccine just started recently. People are taking it now, the past few months. It's going to have short-term, interim, ter- interim terms, and long-term effects. When you listen to the experts about the vaccine, you don't take it, okay? It is absolutely dangerous. Um, Studies from Harvard and I think from Stanford bear it out. Some people are suing the CDC for false information. Some people ask the CDC for a quarant for an isolated uh, version of the COVID um, pathogen. They couldn't supply it. Um, The vaccine according to people who are involved in bioweapons, say it's a bioweapon. The former director or former official of Pfizer says it is dangerous. Another former official of another company, which has come out with with uh, their vaccine, has said the vaccine is dangerous. uh, Trump is out of office. The excuse of his being surrounded by people who won't let him find out what's going on, to me, is a ridiculous argument. He's a free man. He's a person who's always gotten done thing, uh, things done his way. He's the person who's in charge, especially now that he's a civilian. He doesn't have to um, conform to, uh, to congressional um, protocols, etc. So, again, I'm concerned about the vaccine because the vaccine will kill everybody if it's as dangerous as the experts say. That is my argument. And if I know it, he should know it. And because we all like Trump when he was in office doesn't mean he can't be responsible for a single major mistake. That's what here, I'm talking here, about. The, well, and, and here, here's the problem. And, and I'm, I'm, I might be destroying this phrase, but, uh, you know, there's a phrase something like this. I can't do anything for the dead, but I can do things for the living. The, the quote goes something like that. I can't do anything for the dead. I can only do things for the living. 
And what I mean by that is Trump may or may not know about all the dangers that you just talked about. Yes, currently he is still a, he is a civilian. We all know that Trump is going to run again in 2024. We know it. America is in a dangerous place because there are still a, there are still a ton of Americans out there who will listen and believe the media. The media is the enemy of the state, of the nation. They are the enemy. Unfortunately, again, there's enough of them, people out there, who will believe them, who will listen to what they have to say to the point where it makes the possibility, if not probability, of of them successfully stealing the election happen again. The, 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 the reason, one of the reasons why the election being stolen was successful is because you had, a t- you, you probably did have tens of millions of people who voted for Biden because they were made to hate President Trump. The man that wanted to get rid of the corruption in Washington, D.C., the media was successful in basically brainwashing them to hate the guy they should be loving because he was trying to get rid of the, the corruption of Washington, D.C. You know how they twist everything that comes out of his mouth. And the man wants to run for 2024 again. Which who, the people he's fighting for aren't the people who are going to listen and take the vaccine. But on the flip side, the guy's in a quandary. Because if he starts counting the stuff, look what happened with hydroxychloroquine. Look, I mean, he was eventually While he was in, in, right, right. While he was in now office. Let me, no, but Joe, right. now it's my turn. To, now okay. let me finish. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Look how he touted, you know, about hydroxychloroquine. Look how he was treated about that. Look how they twisted that. He tried to say, this is, this is you know... Look how he tried to warn about the election. It still happened. So if he goes out and, and touts what we know, the media, which I don't care how many people say they're not powerful anymore, unfortunately they're still in a powerful force in the United States. And if he goes out with that, they are going to be successful again. I think because they're going to they're going to rip that to shreds, and then again he's going to get more people out there to hate him, to you know, to think you know he wants people to die, you know, by telling them not take the vaccine because he wants people to die. That they there will be enough people that they will be able to convince, along with the cheating they're still going to try to to do. And then he, and that's what I mean by, you know, I can't do anything for the dead. I can only do for the living, because he knows that we know this information. 
We don't need him to tell us. We already know it. What information about the so, vaccine? Well, wait a minute. It, what, here's, but it puts him in a quandary, jail because he can't say what he knows. Because the consequences for him to say what he knows is too consequential. Because then he won't be able to do for the living. He won't be able to become president again. He won't be able to save the nation economically. He won't be able to save for the people who are still around because they did not take the vaccine. Those are the people that he's going to be fighting for, is those of us who are who decided with, because of the knowledge we have not to take it. Those are the people he's fighting for. He can't do anything for the people who decided to take the vaccine. He can't do anything for them. If, if, if what you say is true and they die, nothing he can do about it. But it would even be worse if he did say something and not run again. Because, frankly, while I do think DeSantis and Noam would be good presidents, they would not, I do not think they would be as effective as Trump. Because Trump, people really don't see Trump as a Republican. He's a populist. We all know it. Okay, and even people who are Republicans and, and Democrats, except those who have been overrun by hate, which are a ton of them, they, but they know deep down he's, he's, he's a populist. But anyway, if he's not president in 2024, he won't be. Okay, he may not I, I even think, run. I think he, I, wait a minute, because okay. I think he can garner more numbers than DeSantis or Noam. I'm at my but PC. We're, we're, I want to know done. if I should. He, if I should um, what, 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 I'm almost done. I want to know if I should shut down my PC. Are we finished with DeSantis? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're we're probably not going to have time with DeSantis. Okay, we're finished with him. All right. Well, I mean, we've we've got the quote. We already know what's. We've already. I've got my computer up. I've already seen the quote. Okay. And I've already talked to. I've I've seen it, and I've already. I I believe I've already addressed that. But anyway, because we only got, and I, you know, twelve minutes left, and I still have to get closing comments and close things out. But. So, he, so, again, he's in a quandary, and he's, he's, at this point, the only people he can fight for is the living. And if as many people from you, you know, of what you think are going to, you know, die because of this or, or be harmed because of this vaccine, there's nothing he can do for them. It's only for me and you and Joseph and the other people who haven't taken it that he's going to fight for. But if they're successful in stealing the election again, we're screwed anyway. We, I mean, we are. We're, we're screwed anyway because if they're if they're successful in stealing the election again, and if he puts himself in a position where the media can blast him on that, then I mean they're going to blast him for anything. But he, you know, this was a pandemic, and even people who were Trump supporters, some people even thought, yeah, maybe I should take it. I mean, I would say most not, but I'm sure there's been a few. But again, it's, remember we've got an independence think about independent people, you know, who aren't partly affiliated. But anyway, that that's my that's my take on that. He's in a position where he can't talk about it or he's not gonna be able to do the greater good. Because I, I don't think him addressing the COVID vaccine is the number one priority. It's not. Because if if our enemies, if our adversaries take over us anyway, then it doesn't matter about the vaccine. I don't think I don't think they'll be able to mandatory make make it. Uh, they they try they try to coerce people every way they can, I, and I don't think I don't I think there's enough people who aren't going to take the vaccine 
who will stand up against it. I don't think they'll be able to successfully mandate the vaccine. I think there's too many people against it to be able to do that. Okay. First of all, I don't agree with the premise there about uh, they can't. You're, you're, mu- you're muffled, Jason or Joe. Huh? You're, you're muffled. You're, you're real. Uh, you're, it's real quiet. It's real low. Your volume. Uh, it was better. okay before uh, when I was speaking. This is no, my speech. No, it's better now. It's better now. Okay. Yeah, I, I can hear you now. All right. So um, uh, you were saying that um, he would be in a quandary. Um, Firstly, let's do this by the Socratic method. When he was president, he got attacked more than any other president except maybe Jackson and then after that, um, Lincoln. And he survived, didn't he? Well, yeah. he survived He survived three years of it, and then with all the lies about COVID, which enabled them to cheat because he they survived, had enough to but, cheat yeah, and the election enough to make the cheat stolen. successful. It was election fraud. It was stolen from him. It was stolen, sure. Okay. But there still so, had to be enough people he, to vote for him to make that fraud successful. Um, no, they had, to, they had to fabricate votes. They actually had to have votes made in China. There's a video of um, Chinese people ordering um, American votes, which got here and then were the mail-in ballots. It was absolutely a fraud. I don't understand. Well, I can't understand why they didn't address it. The state legislatures, et cetera, because they're fraudulent as well. So he survived. He's out. He no longer is insulated by the people that um, the other people are saying he is surrounded by, who are his enemies. He is a civilian at Mar-a-Lago. He's in charge of his own civilian life. He knows what's going on around the globe. He has to. Okay. He's been. I'm knowledgeable and interested about what's going on in politics since about 1999 when uh, they've got interviews of him when he was talking about China back in 1999. So, and for him not to know about the vaccine, which is the issue, not his popularity, not what he did while he was in office. The issue here is whether or not the vaccine is dangerous and whether or not what you're saying is if he comes out against it, it will ruin his chances to be elected. I'm saying, first off, I don't think um, 2024 is going to have a valid election, just like I don't think 2022 is. They stole it. Um, The Supreme Court did nothing about it. The state legislatures who have the power to do something about it didn't. They're they're continuing not to. They sent 100, the Republicans sent 109 lawyers down to Maricopa County to fight it. They fought it somewhat successfully, even though a couple of governors, one or two governors, are saying that, um, their attorneys general shouldn't interfere with their particular audit. But it's still rampant, okay? It has been for a long time. Philadelphia and Newark, New Jersey, are famous for um, voter fraud. So is New York. It's just um, a little bit more obvious now because of the Internet and because four swing states all of a sudden <laughs> flip votes for, uh, for, uh, for Biden. The thing is, is if the vaccine is as dangerous as I think it is, if I know about it, Trump, who is responsible. Okay. We've, already, yeah, we've, we've concluded that he, he may very well know about it, and okay. he probably does. If he knows about it, and if it's dangerous, and if he knows about it, I do not accept your particular argument that he can't say anything because that will ruin his chances. A responsible former president who, if he knows the vaccine is is dangerous 
has the responsibility to tell the American people what the vaccine will do to them. And I don't think it will but ruin the population. Because well, and, and because, and, yeah, well, and we're, unfortunately, again, we're, we're running out of time. I don't okay. want to get some people, you know, you guys, yeah, we only got six, six minutes left. Of, of for then everything. I'll wrap up in less than two minutes. The thing is, is that if he can, if he can survive the, uh, the attacks and assaults by the press when he was the president, he can survive it now even better. He's still popular. His rallies still gone on thousands, tens of thousands of people going to them. So he'll survive that. He may even come out smelling like a rose, saying, I was for the warp speed, did not know what the um, outcome was. And people will say, look at Trump. Look what he's trying to do for us now again. Okay, for now I'm finished. We want to talk about it again some other time. Well, we, well yeah, and again, I, I just think that uh, – well, I've already said my arguments on, on what, what my thoughts are for that. But, we do, yeah, I do have to close things up. Um, so uh, if you want to do your, your about a minute uh, for closing comments, Joseph, and then I have to yeah. unfortunately shut things down. I'm going to have to change our uh, description for tonight and use it for next week. But <laughs> Yeah, you <laughs> don't have to write anything else. <laughs> You've already got it there. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but i got to change comments. this one because it doesn't reflect what we're talking about. Go, go ahead, Joseph. I don't know if I could change my the, closing the title because that's, that's actually the link. But go ahead, Joseph. A minute and that's my closing. Out. You got yeah. it. As my closing comments, another true testimonial as to why the left is winning. Once again, they're able to convince and sway the masses that Trump is culpable and Trump has done wrong and uh, the main issue is the vaccines, and that's what Americans are concerned about. And therefore, the integrity of the election is just going to be rigged over and over again, so stop fighting. Congratulations for those who are buying that. The left-wing media has won you over. But for me, the left-wing media is not going to win me over, because that's exactly what they want us to think. They want us to think that it's game over. Trump is a bad guy, and the integrity of the election will never be rectified. Therefore, what's the point of voting? And let's just surrender. Well, for as long as there are air in my lungs, I will continue to fight for my beloved country. And I will continue to fight, ensure that our republic survives, and we remain the land of the free and the home of the brave. Imagine if the previous generations would have taken the same stance in the Great War in World War II, we'd probably be speaking German and Japanese. Imagine if they would have taken the same stance. So as long as they're in my lungs, I'm fighting for my country. I'm not looking for excuses, and I'm not buying what the left is saying. God bless you all. It's always a pleasure to be on the show. God bless the beautiful United States of America, and I will continue to fight. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it, guys, and uh, we'll uh, you know, see you next week. Uh, you know, got about a minute before I do our closing call- song by Aubrey Ashburn here. And, yeah, I mean, the vaccine, I, I think I do. I, I do think it's a danger. I don't know if it's the, the, the number one issue uh, because, if, I mean, if people are going to take it, but then, unfortunately, that's something that they will have to 
uh, deal with. I'm a firm believer in personal responsibility. Um, get my own information. I think everyone else needs to get their own information for themselves and not rely on someone else, whether it's uh, an individual or, or you know, someone that's considered a leader. Um, so I think it's our own responsibility to make our own decision based off, off of that. And so there's a lot of people who may very well be affected and may, or even, you know, die from this vaccine. It's, again, one of the reasons why I chose, uh, my family chose not to take it, and I'll fight everything against uh, if it's trying to be forced on me. Um, but I guess if, if it, a lot of people do pass from it, um, I won't be one of them. So I will close tonight with uh, the song there. Thank you every, uh, very much, folks. Uh, have a good night, and we'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you.